Oh wait, but do you want the mic to see my face or do you guys to see my face? Who cares? Uh, yeah, we've got one cameras, there and we've got yeah. one there. Yeah, we're we good. got double angles, bro. Well, so high tech, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, super high tech. <laughs> high tech. <laughs> we, we, actually, we actually used to have this, um, we have a, a camera guy following us around Australia. Really? And he'd, he'd set it all up for us, but now we've resorted back to the phones. Yeah, I kind of feel like that one needs to be a little bit more this way. Like, so that one's straight on yeah, you true, guys. Yeah, true, we get two different angles. Yeah, we, we, we had a camera guy and then we, um, we ran out of funding. And, and and then we went broke, and, uh, <laughs> and now you're living here in the boonies. <laughs> it's a tough, uh, it's tough kick, bro. Yeah, it seems really tough. Yeah, I could never ever live here. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's it just screams danger. Yeah, all the poisonous snakes and everything. Oh, I bro, think that's pretty good. Yeah, I've it's actually had a few encounters already. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow! Like in the last two weeks, I've had three encounters. Really, with snakes? Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's actually one thing worth considering about being yeah. out here. You know, there's poisonous stuff. Yeah, I've, like we went out in the dark to uh, go and check something right in the evening, and um, literally went out with the phone torch. We'd already walked past it and not seen it. On the way back, just nearly stood on it. Boom. This big tiger snake, which was like two and a half meters long. Oh, wow. What, what yeah. did you That's end up doing? Cool. He called me at night, yeah. and he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether I killed uh, no, the snake or You I called me out of nowhere. Oh, did I call you? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he's like, puts it on FaceTime, and there's this big snake in the bush. Yeah. He's like, bro, I don't, oh, I don't know if I go to bed, or do I just leave it? and Right here, for context, thing? that flax wow. bush. Oh, wow. is it that one? Right there. Like right in the middle of the house. And, <laughs> you know, for context, like, you know, I've got a, we've got a dog, and yeah. Oakley's, like, so curious. He's like, what was that, you know? Yeah, and, you and one snap of the snake, like, you're done, potentially. And, of course, Jess was terrified of this thing. So I'm, like, in my protector um, safety energy, I'm like, what do I do? Do I, like, wrangle this thing? Do I pick it up by the tail and, like, remove it from the property and take it over to the There's forest? Or do I just, like, get a, a knife and cut its head off? That's what I've seen, yeah. Yeah. That just dos. Did you and do that? And just, namaste. No, I didn't. I left it. <laughs> <laughs> I left it there and we oh went to bed nice. and in the morning it was gone. And now I'm like, shit, where is it? I fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Surprise in the middle of the night. Interesting. That's, that's a definite consideration being out here. Um, yeah, so Philly, Philadelphia is a city on the east coast of the United States. Two hours drive south of New York, three hours drive north of D.C., and it's uh, very much forest. So this state is called Pennsylvania. So like William Penn, the guy who founded it, Sylvania means like forest, Silva in Latin. Mm. So it's Penn's forest, Penn's woods, Pennsylvania. And uh, Philadelphia means uh, philos adelphos. It means love of the brother. So it's like they always call it the city of brotherly love, but I didn't know oh the name sad. actually means love of the brother. So that was, was pretty cool. And it's just, yeah, forested. The city itself is just a city like New York, whatever, but outside the city where I grew up in the suburbs, it's pretty forested. It's like this. It's really dense or dense, as you guys would say. <laughs> dense. Dense as. Dense, <laughs> dense as. But it's just, you know, it's not quite like uh, mountainous, hilly like mm. it is here, and it's not tropical level of lushness. Like, so in the winter, everything's almost dead. There's not a ton of pine, so it's like pretty barren yeah. in the winter. But it's nice. I liked growing up there because I had uh, four seasons and proper, like, full bloom in the spring like everything became like dense dense as it sounds actually similar to like where we're from in the south island new zealand it sounds very similar kind yeah. of alpine-y but colder yet 
real clear four seasons. Like you'll get like a beautiful spring and everything's coming to life, and then the autumn, like ever like all the trees, all the colors are like coming through, and it's just like yeah, it was like that. Yeah, similar. Well, um, just for those listening, for a little bit of context, we've got our friend Matt here on today, and this is like the most spontaneous podcast we've probably done. Um, I met Matt yesterday through Leon, who runs our uh, runs the Call to Be Conscious community on the Gold Coast. I'm not even sure how he got in contact with you, but we just had this beautiful conversation yesterday, and we caught up again this morning. And Matt is one of these people that can just regurgitate information and these experiences. But what I what I love most about you, brother, is just who you are and like your your energy. It's, Thanks, uh, it's really infectious. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. It was great to meet. I also met Leon for the first time yesterday, and uh, it was through a friend of mine, Jordan, who is a member who goes to the Gold Coast. Um, cool to be conscious, and I met him at Joe Dispenza's week long event the week before last. So mm. it's all very spontaneous. Yeah, and this is your last day in Oz before you're off to Switzerland. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, tentatively, yeah. everything could change mm. on a moment's notice. But yeah, that's the situation right now. Right, I love that about you. And I was just saying to Rye before, like you inspire me because you're you're only twenty three years old. You're connected with some of the most incredible people around the planet that I really look up to. I'm like, how the fuck does he know all these people? <laughs> uh, but you've created this incredible business that helps people with uh, so much that we can we can talk into a little bit more. But um, what? What do you feel has got you to like this point in your life? Is there any things that you can pinpoint and put it down to? Or is it just like this curiosity of uh, exploring and, and kind of what you've been talking about before, uh, just going with the flow? Yeah, I would have to put it to going with the flow or like God, I guess mm. you could say, or the universe, because I can't really, I don't feel like I can really take credit yeah. for everything because. Like, why did I grow up where I did? Like, why was I born where I did? Like, no clue. Um, you know, okay, you could say, well, like, my genetics, like, led to this. But, like, really, you know, I, I don't, I know, and I know you guys don't, and the listeners of this probably don't either, like, buy into, like, that more traditional narrative. Like, I see that there's, I believe there's, like, a deeper purpose behind it. So, like, my soul chose a particular mm. place and time and family. And why that, I don't exactly know. I guess they say karma, you know, so... um I'd say it, it's a lot to do with just the flow of life. And I, I the, f the one thing that did come to my mind is, like, the spirituality component. Uh, when you ask the question, like, I have a friend who I met years ago in Norway uh, named Alex. And he had reached out to me because I had been in the health and wellness world already and had been studying about light and how it works and why it's important for health. And I wanted to – I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just finishing high school. I was like, maybe I'll be a health coach and teach people, like, but a light health coach or something, mm. something that very few people would would have been doing and still aren't doing. And uh, that was my idea, at least. And he reached out, like, hey, I'd like to talk with you. I want to learn more from this guy who who you've been studying from. He's and he was a coach of, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say coach, but a friend of and a, let's say, like personal trainer, like wellness trainer to some young uh, Norwegian professional soccer players. And 
Yeah, one of whom now, six years later, is named Holland. He's playing for oh Manchester no City. Way. He's like one of the top strikers yeah, in the world. Yeah, he's like the best player on the he planet right now. He's arguably the best player on the planet. And I met him when he was 16, 17, six wow. years ago in Norway. So, like, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Like, he, and he's a cool guy, really, really sweet, sweet, authentic, genuine guy. Um, and, yeah, I'm like, I don't know how that happened. But this guy, Alex, and so he's Holland's famous for this uh, meditation celebration that mm-hmm. he does. One of the things that kind of he's known for. And uh, I, I believe it was this friend, Alex, who first taught me about the value of God in meditation, who also sort of shared that with him when he was younger and playing for that local Norwegian club at the time mm-hmm. before moving on to Austria. So, yeah, I, I really would have to say, like, the, f- the flow in one way, but also, like, staying open to it. So um, I always looked at life like like Harry Potter, you know, mm. like this sort of, there's like this struggle, <laughs> like archetypes, you know, yeah. like there's like the good and the evil and like, like I always saw, and I think this is, the, I think the point of those stories is to generally, at least I thought, was that like the people relate with the main character generally, because like you see within yourself, like the battle of good versus evil and all this stuff. And so I love stories like particularly Harry Potter and Star Wars. I think they're amazing I wasn't as big into the Lord of the Rings growing up. I didn't see it until recently, but that's another you know classic of our time, I guess, and there's many books. But anyway, I always thought that everyone saw their life as like a character in those movies, like that there's mm-hmm. this like great sort of struggle and that they get to play a great role. And then as I as we got older and like some of my friends were like, oh, I'm just going to go like to university and get an internship. <laughs> and I was like, like, do you not like see your life as an yeah. adventure? And I guess for whatever reason and nothing against a different, path than what I've taken but I think a lot of people just like I was shocked I thought everyone saw things the way I see them like wanted to explore and like wanted to travel and like wanted to just fully open up but I guess not do you think people deep down do want that but they hold themselves back for whatever reason it sounds a lot like the conversation we had yesterday with Leon when he said you know we were talking about like spirituality and uh, if you know, whether everyone deep down has this desire to, like, look for something higher or not. It sounds like, I think, a pretty similar conversation. He brought up a line from Jesus, like, you know, don't cast pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot. So, like, pigs, you know, don't won't, wouldn't appreciate pearls. And I guess in a similar way that certain people maybe just aren't receptive to certain ideas. It's nothing, like, wrong with the people. Um, I, so, yeah, I feel like maybe deep down, ev- like, I think every soul, from what I've studied like every soul wants the freedom but uh, maybe certain people just haven't gone far along enough in their journey where they're like actively Mm. seeking it out and I was pretty skeptical like even when I got into like alternative health and wellness and I was into like the paleo diet and then like that was really like especially in 2014 2013 that was like really out there like no one knew about the paleo diet and I was like really obsessed with that because I thought it was going to help me heal certain issues, health issues I had, and it actually did to a certain degree. But um, anyway, mm, anyway, <laughs> kind of lost my train of thought from this mosquito. <laughs> so, um, what what I was going to ask you yeah. was, um, like, fundamentally, obviously, you know we all have these different ideas and perspectives and understandings of where we want to go and what we want to do as a kid growing up. And obviously you took that route of trusting yourself and going with the flow and seeing what 
was created and creating your own hero within your own life. So for me, like, I want to ask, what were your parents like? What are your parents like to enable you to trust in that creativity? You know, because for many, I feel have that creativity in them, but they potentially may not have the stability or support from that network or close friend group or family in them. So like who are your parents man like they must be amazing my parents are amazing um you know i so my mom is very much like do whatever you want like she always said like the sky's the limit do whatever you want i had really good teachers as well Mm. so like you know teachers who would basically say yeah you can be whatever you want like do whatever you want you know we had i went to a unlike what you said the country school where you grew up like we had i went to a really like pretty, I guess, high-end public school system outside in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Lots of people move there just for their kids to be in that school system. And, like, the taxes are pretty high, and it's an expensive area. But um, so I had really good teachers as Mm -hmm. well. So mom, teachers, my dad. My parents were divorced growing up. My dad also was, like, pretty, you know, he was pretty, like, not controlling. He wasn't like, you have to do this or have to do that. You know, so in a way, like, just kind of letting us do our own thing. It's funny, I was just listening to this podcast I mentioned with Rick Rubin interviewing um, Phil Jackson, the legendary basketball coach, and they were talking, somehow it came up, the uh, the Avett brothers, this band that's really you know great, and they were just talking about how great the guys are themselves, and, and then Rick said he met the father of the band and asked, like, what did you do? How did you get these kids? You know, how, how do they become who they are? And he just said, I back them. I support mm. them with everything. And then the, the funny line he said was, yeah, if somebody came to me and told me that one of my kids had killed somebody, I'd say to them, they must have needed killing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, like, just that's really funny. Fight. Yeah, <laughs> so in a way, like, I, so I feel good. I got a lot of that yeah. support. I also just look at my childhood, and, you know, we create a lot of stories about, like, the past that aren't necessarily true. Dispenza mentions this. A lot of the time people, like, romance a past or – reinforce a past in their mind that isn't even real like so 50 percent or more of the story is actually made up so i don't know how much of this is true but i i I look back and i i feel in myself that i was like very much always like the way i am like i just always was thinking broadly and just trying to just expand my myself and my horizons and explore um so yeah i had great i definitely would have to give credit let's say I, i'm very blessed that i had this this upbringing that didn't try to you know put me into a box mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but at the same time yeah society in general I mean, we could say maybe society boxes people in because the education system kind of makes you think you have to do this and that and somehow i feel lucky that i was just like escaped that i just didn't buy into it like i always thought i was really smart and i excelled in school and i just remember you know, if you had asked me, like, when I was a kid, what do I want to do when I grow up? I remember thinking at certain points, like, I want to be an inventor. You know, like, I want to do something, like, different and cool. Uh, I definitely knew that I didn't want to work in an office. I was like, that sounds terrible. But, so I, I wanted to be an inventor, I guess, and, and do something different and new. Wow. I resonate with that. And I, and I want to touch on um, the divorce within your parents, you know, because I come from a very similar background. And for me, when I was growing up without know that intimate relationship with my parents there was always this driver in me that I I needed to do big things in order to create safety for my mom it was like this deep fundamental um, desire in me I was like I need to do great things because I want to create 
that safety from my mom. I wonder if this resonates with you in some way, that when they divorced, there was this inner uh, masculine energy that came through that knew it needed to get shit done and needed to create and needed to expand, maybe on a subliminal level, to create that um, safety for your mom, and you know, within that feminine energy. Yeah, that it's that. I'm glad you bring that up. Like, I... Um, it's all I ever knew because it was since I was like two um, that you know my parents were separate. Yeah, it was, was just same, like it was, yeah, it was like what I knew. Um, so I, I don't I, I wouldn't have known really anything else. Um, but I I definitely wasn't if it was that I wasn't aware of it. You know if that was a factor I definitely wasn't conscious of it at all. Um, I mean until recently like I do take care of my mom. She actually works with me. But you know so I so in in, in a few ways. Um, but basically. It wasn't like something that until much more recently that I actually was like, oh yeah, this is something I like definitely wanted, you know, was consciously aware of that I wanted to do it. So yeah, if it was something, it was maybe unconscious mm. or subconscious. Uh, but I, I have a, a a guy we work with, a scientific expert in our for our company, and he's one of the top experts in light and frequency in the world, the top as far wow. as I know. And you know, just from our conversations, he had kind of gave me like an offhand compliment he was like i think maybe part of the reason you became so intelligent is because you felt like out of control as a kid and i, I could say maybe th that resonated with me in a way like just not necessarily feeling in control of w of what was going on around me like um i wouldn't even say again it was like a super conscious thing like that i f knew that i was not in control i think there's a mechanism yeah especially at that age you don't you just kind of like life just kind of is i'm a, a triplet so one of three so like we came at all at once, so that's kind of overwhelming for parents, and then a little brother as well, so two years younger, and so it was kind of, there was quite a bit of chaos, I, from what I recall, like, in my growing up, like, I just, you know, and, and it's not bad, but, like, you know, kids fight with each other, and, you know, um, and so he said to me, he's like, yeah, maybe, and again, this resonated with me, it made sense that I just had to the thing that I could control was, like, mastering my understanding of my external environment, like, my brain. You know, because, like, when you're young, like, physically, you couldn't necessarily do much. Um, but if, if you can be the smartest person in any room, like, it kind of gives you a feeling of an edge. So that, to me, resonated. Not to say that I think I'm the smartest person in any room, but I definitely, uh, I was telling the guys the, the other day, like, I definitely thought I was intelligent, like, going even into, like, first grade, second grade, third grade. Like, I... I remember, like, you know, this we had spelling tests just to, like, write out words, and I don't think I ever got a single word wrong, or maybe I got one word wrong, and, it like, I beat myself up about it for a, a while, if, for example, like, uh, if I did, but it was, like, I just got, was good at that, and I would get, I would get good grades, um, and I don't know, though, if, like, me getting good grades and being intelligent in a book smart way has anything to do with what I'm doing right now, like, had I been just a total, like, just student who just didn't care at all. Would I be doing what I'm doing now? I mean, you can't separate. Ultimately, in my story, you can't separate them because no, they just it's are. It's all part of the whole journey, isn't it? It's yeah. like that that served its purpose. It was like part of that evolution of you mm -hmm. and who you who you sit here as today. Yeah, and I, I would say actually, like when I look at it in my case, so for sure you could have people who are like dropouts who didn't care <coughs> at all, be like really successful, like Steve Jobs. I don't know how he did in in, you know primary school, secondary school, but he did drop out of college. I, I don't know how whether he performed well in school or not prior to that, but um, somebody probably does. And there's plenty of cases probably where they didn't perform well, but then they went on to do something really great, you know, that required a lot of intellect or 
intuition or whatever. In my case, I think it helped, and I could look over the last six years of building up my business and continuing to. Uh, my extremely analytical mind, I, I believe, has helped. It probably also presents as much of a hindrance as it does a help because I overanalyze things a lot and then also create more stress for myself by not being cool with just kind of surrendering but trying to analyze things to the point of insanity. I'm getting a lot better at that. But so anyway, that 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 skill of analysis and connecting the dots and putting pieces together, like stuff to me that feels like how could you do it any other way? I'm learning, again, just like the kids growing up and thinking about different um, – paths for their life like not everyone has that trait so it is interesting like people truly are i used to just think people were like more or less the same in their desires like that everyone felt the way i feel and it's like i don't think that's true at all i think it's a broad spectrum so that trait like for example working in my in my business like um getting people i'm working with to think like okay if there's an issue happening like okay you want to solve the issue but like then you want to also ask the question, because if you solve the immediate situation, it's like, okay, but what's stopping it from happening happening again? Like, you haven't really solved the issue. You've only solved, like, a short-term issue. So at least that's just one one general example that's pretty recurring of uh, something that just was innate to me. Like, of course, you have to look at how can you make a system or implement something to prevent that thing from happening over and over. Otherwise, you'll just constantly be dealing with issues and you'll never get to move forward. Beautiful. Wow. Um, I want to touch on Dr. Joe Dispenza because he's been like a big inspiration for the both of us, actually. Like one of his podcasts I was mentioning to you earlier with Lewis Howes back in the day was like a big catalyst for me and and who I've become and, and how I see life now. And I know that you've been to something like eight of his yeah. week-long events. And <laughs> yeah. like you... I think you're the last person you talked to before you came to us. You just got off the phone with Dr. Joe Dispenza, and like that just kind of blew my mind a little bit. And then I was like, "Hang on, like, like how does this guy build these relationships and these connections? And um, also, what have you learned from attending so much of those, you know, week-long experiences? Because I've learned so much from the guy just from his, you know, YouTube's and podcasts and things like that. But to be there in person, I'd imagine it'd be a very different experience." Yeah, well, absolutely. I'd love to speak to Dr. Joe's a huge inspiration to me. Um, you know, the, the just uh, connecting with him, that was sort of out of the blue because I had connected him with a friend of mine I mentioned who has a podcast he started, and so he was just saying thank you for that um, connection. Uh, but, yeah, Dr. Joe is, to me, a, a huge inspiration, like absolute legend <laughs> as far as I'm concerned in, in the best legend of ways. <laughs> but also, like, uh, he's such a normal relatable guy yeah. I, I don't know if normal is the right term actually what i mean is he's relatable mm -hmm. like he's very much not like up in the clouds not like, like grounded yeah, yeah like you can speak to him he's not like this floating around kind of uh being and and i really like that because like he shows me and i think many others that you can be like like in this world but not of it mm. so uh, i got to dr joe's work as a sort of culmination of my entire personal journey, which I guess I could touch on. I'll give a, a, li a little bit of the background. But basically, growing up, having a feeling of, like, that there's more to life than what I was, uh, you know, just being served, let's say, uh, or that I was aware of. But just kind of living my life, doing my things as you do as a teenager and having fun with my friends and 
I uh, I had a persistent, let's say, theme of like various health issues, headaches, gut issues, allergies that were just kind of part of my my life, and I just accepted them, genetic, okay, whatever. Um, you know, can't really do anything about that. Just take these different drugs, aller- you know, Advil for the headaches, all the different stuff yep. from the Western medicine. And I had gone to a kinesiology doctor at one point, and that kind of helped a little bit. Like it was a little bit more advanced than what what I was doing with Western medicine. And then got into uh, dieting when I really felt like I needed to take it into my own hands. When I was going into high school, I was like, I was having really bad gas bloating. Um, getting really bad acne breakouts, and that was the vanity. Like, I felt so embarrassed by how I, w- how I looked that I started reading about what I could do about that. And then I learned about the paleo diet, went all in, felt better, became a paleo evangelist, thought that that was the solution for everyone's problems, and then wanting to improve my own condition, I went, like, deeper and deeper into paleo, so I went to, like, the autoimmune paleo diet, and then the GAPS diet, which is this, like, now everyone's talking about it in the carnivore world. It's, like, touted as this miracle gut healing diet. And then I got into, like, some carnivore stuff and keto and all this. I did all this stuff in, like, 2014, 2015. And it, it made sense to me, and it definitely helped me feel better than, like, eating just all the junk I was eating before. But I became so obsessive, like, orthorexic is the term I've, I've heard used, obsessive about my food where I was, like, creating so much stress just about what I was eating. And it was like a like a disorder in a way. Um, something was, like, it was still very much out of balance. So I was trying to solve, like, this this feeling I mentioned like within me that like something wasn't right. I had this kind of feeling. Um, I was trying to solve it with this diet and I was convinced that I think like a lot of people become that the, that this is the solution. And this makes sense to me now in retrospect why people become so dogmatic and religious about their diets because mm-hmm. they identify it with like if if yeah. this isn't correct, like if, if mm-hmm. so if somebody says something's wrong about this diet, they, they defend it like it's their religion. So it's like if this – if if this isn't correct, then that means that something about my theory about what's wrong with me is wrong, and then I'd have to actually face that. Mm. And so that if you get what I'm saying, like yeah. so people, they're like not defending the diet, they're actually defending themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was definitely doing that for a, a long time, and maybe I still am in different ways, I don't know, but we'll see. Let's see where the conversation goes. So um, anyway, did these diets... And, uh, again, saw some progress, but I actually ended up feeling a lot worse than when I started because I became so obsessed. Like, literally, I would, like, write down every <laughs> day or every week, like, what I was supposed to eat, what I wasn't. And then if I ate something that was off the list, like, because I, like, couldn't help myself because I was young. Beat and, yeah, and I beat myself up. And then I'd go, like, beat myself up Guilt, by, like, binging, shame. like, going like, and eating yeah. all the wrong stuff until I felt, like, absolute shit mm-hmm. and, like, felt, like, just horrible. And that was, like, this cycle I had gotten into. And, anyway, um, this was just – this is just mem- like distant, distant memories at this point. But I then I learned, so I was like, I, I projected this onto the next thing. So the next thing I learned about light, so like how light influences our physiology. And so then it was like, oh, it's not about food, it's about light. So I, and I, I built this whole like, new identity now around like light. And I, I studied under a guy or, or learned a lot from a guy who's like a, a leading expert in this field. And it was very valuable to go through that part of the process because it taught me all of this was valuable. But that that led me to certain books about uh, bioelectromagnetism and photobiology and biophotons. So all this research about how light is relevant in our organism and light and electromagnetism, like we're beings of Basically energy. Basically how, how sunlight can impact the body. Yeah, that's photobiology would be 
that, but then like bioelectromagnetism is like the the study of how we're electromagnetic, like we're yep. energy based beings, and then biophotons uh, <laughs> bio <laughs> is the study I of our, how our cells emit light, emit and communicate with light. So, so, so our cells create light as well. They release light. Yeah, they oh communicate wow. with light. So we. This is like I was reading all these yeah. like books, textbooks, like super dense stuff when I was like sixteen and just barely making. I, mean, I made pretty good sense of it because I was a pretty good student. You're, you're so the chemistry sixteen. Made sense. Learning yeah. about this. Yeah, stuff. fifteen, sixteen. What like I was reading fuck, all this stuff, bro. but like I, I had paid attention in chemistry and I was interested and probably because like some part of me knew that I would need this knowledge, yeah. so I was pretty knowledgeable about chemistry and stuff. Made sense that to me. Why did you think you needed that knowledge back then? Oh, was it to help I your own body? I or don't, you don't think know. I didn't know. I just I, I don't know. I'm just I was an attentive student whether it's it was fascinating because I, I remember sitting in chemistry class like drawing penises on my book you know <laughs> yeah, like funny. thinking this is the biggest fucking waste of time i've ever i've know. ever spent you know falling asleep type thing but now i think i was saying to you or, or you like I, i'm fascinated with it like how all these environmental things can impact and influence the body how the body's creating energy how it metabolizes things like it just fascinates me I'm but for you at such a young age, I'm like, how did, how did you have that then? I remember asking my chemistry teacher, like, what causes the electrons in the mitochondria to move from here to here? And he said, they just do. And wow. that was the least satisfactory wow. answer I ever received. Because years later, I yeah. understood what actually makes the movement. He if, he had, if he had a basic <laughs> understanding of chemistry, yeah. it was a biology teacher, actually. It was even before chemistry. This was the first year of high school we took biology. Chemistry was the second year. And he was like, they just do. And he, if he knew anything about chemistry or biochemistry, he would know that it's the, according to science, you know, what, yeah. what we think we know, is that there's these uh, oxygen molecules we breathe in, and the oxygen sits at the end of the electron chain in the mitochondria, and we eat food, and we rip the hydrogen off the food, whether it's fat or sugar, and we donate those to the mitochondria, and oxygen's pulling the electrons from the hydrogen towards it, but the mitochondria exists to suck every little bit of energy off those electrons, which is stored sunlight energy, that they can while it moves down the chain. So it's like a combination of hydrogen, oxygen, and sunlight. It's a fire. So life is like a fire. Yeah, wow. It is a fire. And so, so like and, and, and we've talked very briefly like about breatharianism and not needing food and things like that. Is that the process that you feel we can create that energy from, like the energy from the earth and the sun? To, I, to I allow do this believe body to I do believe we can. We function. should. I, I'm going to put a pin in breatharianism because I want to just answer your question about Joe Dispenza. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking it yeah, in a big sorry. circle. Yeah. No, no, it's good. Um, so I anyway I had Getting all these excited over yeah here. no I love this. <laughs> I had all these experiences. I just like to close at least some. Yeah, loops. I love that. Um, I I often don't. I often go in all the directions. But so I had all these experiences. That first the food, mm -hmm. then the light, and then I started a company. Which, when you start a company in something, it's not just like you're a student anymore. Now you have an even mm. greater part of your identity invested in it, right? So, like, I was, like, investing. And thankfully, it was something that I believe was even more directionally accurate than food. If I was still in the food world, I might have started a supplement company or a grass-fed beef jerky company. Nothing wrong with any of that. I think that could be great, depending on, you know, the person and what their goals are. But the light stuff, the science is so sound, so I'm very much happy that I ended up having a business in that space. I started the business. I started traveling. And I had all this knowledge, like thinking, okay, it's not all about food. It's actually about our light exposure. So this, this one of these doctors I followed, uh, he had this model he had built. There was this model that was built of, you know, get the right light and watch the sunrise and watch the sunset and get your circadian rhythm 
dialed in and optimize your mitochondrial health and don't drink fluoridated water, drink natural spring water and all this stuff to optimize like the bioenergetic charge of your cells basically. But one thing that was either not mentioned at all or very briefly skimmed over was like your psycho-emotional state, your psychological state and how that plays a role. It was all just like sunbathe and do mm. this and you're going to be you're going to be stoked on life. And I did all that and built a business blocking blue light and traveling for from 18 when I started the company to uh, 2021, around t- 2020. So I was born in 99, so my age generally follows the years until mm-hmm. until half until August. And then, uh, yeah, but anyway, uh, so in 2020, I was 20 and 21 years old. And the pandemic happened three years into my business, and I, like, was kind of in one place. And I was already, like, pretty miserable. So, like, you know, people would say, like, oh, you're living the dream, like, you travel. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but inside, I was like, no, it doesn't feel like it. Like, so if, if this is the dream, I'm like, this isn't the dream. This isn't what people think it is, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, to get to Dispenza, like, I uh, had many, like, dark dark nights of the soul. But finally, when the pandemic happened, I was in such a mentally challenged place in my own life. And I was kind of forced to, like, stay in one spot long enough to, I think, face it uh, at least a bit more than I had prior to that time. And there were all, and I knew for me, I knew the answer was in spirituality at this point because as a very much like unrelated sidetrack throughout this whole time, I had had bits and pieces of interest that led me to spirituality. Like my, my parents weren't particularly religious, like so we weren't raised as religious, which basically means you develop yeah. to be an atheist, especially where I grew up. Um, so we were like pretty, I was like God's stupid in my mind. What, you know, God's a stupid What idea. were some of those things you had to face? If you don't mind sharing. <laughs> well, yeah, like I just... Jeez, I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I was, I was uh, still feeling like sick. So here, I'm supposed to like have this business and be traveling and be healthy and happy, and like, I was still having issues with my own health, like feeling bad, not knowing why, because I thought I was doing everything right still, which is a, a lot of the time the case, even among the gurus, the so like the people pretending or, or claiming to be like they've got it all figured out. Like that's something I've I've observed, including in myself. Like going on podcasts, talking about all this cool stuff about light, which I was doing through then and educating about the stuff I learned and the relevance to the business. And I believe still I was sharing valuable information to the best of my ability. But I was still really, really tormented inside. So mentally, just like, you know, just mental struggles. I, I don't really know how, uh, how else to put it. And, and how would you work through them? Like, would you cry? Would you talk to someone? I'd be talking a lot. Like, I'd probably yeah. talk. I'd get on the phone with friends or my mom or something and yeah. just talk for hours, but only feel worse, not better. You right. know, like, because I was, like, as Spencer would say, analyzing my life within a disturbed emotion rather than, like, learning to overcome the emotion. But so uh, I I want I had this w- kind of thread of spirituality going along the side. And I had, so parents not being super religious, but my grandparents were Catholic. So once a year when we'd fly out west uh, to Idaho, so the west part of the United States, uh, well, the kind of midwest it's it's the countryside the wild west anyway and we would we would go to mass with them like once or twice a year depending on how long we were out there and that was basically it and i was like this is boring but something about jesus always interested me i have to say and then uh somebody when i was in this uh, original health community about light someone recommended that book be here mm. now to me, which is very significant because it, yeah, it <laughs> opened my mind to like, yeah. oh, because like, I already had this kind of attraction to Jesus, but didn't really know why. But it was kind of like where, where I grew up, like a super liberal, uh, like atheist type of culture. 
like Jesus was almost seen as like, uh, like if you believed in Jesus, you were stupid kind of thing. Like, or if you were Christian, you were stupid. That was kind of like the undertones. If I look back on it in some respects, like, oh, what? Like, you believe in religion? Like, are you stupid? Like, you're uneducated? Um, so anyway, I, it just made sense to me, like, Buddhism and Hinduism, and re- it just resonated so deeply. Like, oh, they're all saying the same thing. So mm. it's not even like it's a competition or this mm. one or that one. It's like, oh, they're all saying the same thing. <laughs> That's cool. So at least, like, that takes w- that one off the table. So, like, I can just be open to the whole thing and not have to be, like, picking. But so I wanted more direction. So to Dispenza and, like, I wanted more direction on how I could actually, like, apply this. And uh, I had met this guy. I had had a, a, a teacher in high school uh, who was, like, a yoga teacher who ca- came to our school through a program and taught yoga and meditation. So that was cool, one touch. Then this guy I met in Norway who was, like, taught me about meditation and God through – he was pretty young, too. He was in the late 20s at the time, 30s now. But he was uh, talking about, like, this light above your head. And I was all about sunlight. And he was like, no, the most important light's like, this light above your head. I was like – like literally I was like this guy's nuts like I don't know what you're talking about but this sounds like a heap of crap like but he's like no like you'll know one day and now I understand more like studying the spiritual stuff you guys know like there's this energy field the energy body anyway so that was another touch then I'm surfing in Bali and there's this guy with the most unbelievable energy and he's surfing straight spine everybody else is hunched over and then I see him doing a standing meditation which this Norwegian guy his Qigong master who lived in Norway and lives in Norway um, I'm still in touch with them uh, he would always talk about the value of standing meditations. This was part of his practice and Qigong stuff. He did just standing still for hours, like just wow. th- this cultivating this chi within you. Oh, so it's, is that more to get like the the energy from the earth as well? Yeah, well, it's to come the same through the feet. Rather I think than it's the same like reason you s- well y- when you meditate, it's best to sit up. It's just because there's this whole d- another digression, but there's yeah. actually a hundred to one hundred fifty volts per meter for every meter off the earth there's 100 to 150 volts of electron energy more or less just no just existing and so like the air is an insulator so these electrons choose Uh. to go through us and when they come up our legs and meet they create a vortex which is what the chakra system is so So it allows energy to get get higher yeah like it's happening right now yeah i guess you could put it that way so the closer we are to the ground the more we can harvest and connect with that and there's like this, the whole science of grounding as mm-hmm. well that's come out emerging, sharing that. So, so that was another touch. Mm. And I saw this guy in Bali. I'm going somewhere with all this. I saw this oh, guy. I love doing this. this. Yeah, he journey. was doing a meditation, and I was like, I need to talk to this guy. And then this guy, he turned out to be a, a Kriya yogi, so follower, like a disciple of. If you guys know Yogananda, who wrote the autobiography of Yogi. So he's like generations removed. Like his master's master's master was Yogananda, and they have many branches. Oh. But uh, I met him, and he recommended as a Westerner, that I check out Joe Dispenza. He's a Russian guy, but lived in India for many years and studied and became an Indian medicine doctor. He said, check out this guy, Joe Dispenza. And I forgot that he was the first. I, I, I didn't think back one time. I was like, who told me about that? I was like, oh, my gosh, my friend Balarama, this guy. That's so funny. And he also told me about Yogananda. And it was funny because when I had gone to Bali at this point, it was pre-pandemic, so like 2019. I had been in Southern California because of this friend of mine, Rick, and I... He intru- Rick introduced me to a guy. Can I just stop saying <laughs> this friend of his, Rick, he's like the greatest music producer of all time. And <laughs> I was watching some uh, interviews he was doing with like Kendrick Lamar, Pharrell Williams the other day. And now he's just done this like in, like basketball coach. But um, yeah, Matt knows him somehow. But And, and it, d- the, the, it just continues to blow my mind, these connections that you've built at your young age. But we have a anyway, pin in the connections, and we have a pin in the yep. other one as well, we'll about, about the uh, something else we'll remember. But so basically, 
um, I had been in Southern California, and Rick had introduced me to a guy, uh, another good friend of mine named Lamont, who's uh, just really cool guy in the health and wellness industry, uh, worked with some different companies, and and that was a sort of mutual connection there. And he taught me how to surf and everything. But he lived in this town called Encinitas, California, which is – and so I would visit and, and taught me how to surf down there. And I'd meet him and his, his wife and kids and hang out and, and surf. And um, and then there was this, like, shrine in that town. And I, I was like – when this guy finally told me about this guy, Yogananda, I was like, I swear I've seen that picture before. And it was because Yogananda had lived the, the second part of his life in the U.S. and lived at this – ashram in Encinitas that I would drive by and always kind of had this interesting energy, but I had no clue what it was, but it kind of called to me, but I never investigated it. So I was like, oh, like that dude has a temple in the town where I like visit pretty regularly to see my friend. Huh. So anyway, but it took still like after getting introduced to Dispenza and Yogananda, like two, three more years of me like trying to do things my way, like eat things that I wanted to eat and that I found from my research and live the way that I wanted to live and all this other stuff um, and just live my life and try to build my business and travel. And and then the pandemic kind of happened and I was like, okay, I need to look back and not remembering that this this friend of mine was the person who told me about Dispenza, but that I had heard Dispenza now several times throughout the years on Aubrey Marcus. Like I had just seen him. I was like, of all the people out there, there are so many different spiritual teachers, gurus who I thought I could follow and maybe do their programs or this, that, and some of whom ended, like, turned out to be like not really authentic, like their organizations fell apart or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'm glad I didn't go that route. But I just felt this thing from Dispenza. Like, he is like solid to the core. Mm-hmm. That was just my gut feeling. So anyway, you asked about Dispenza's teachings. Mm-hmm. It's not my, let's say, position to, to you know, teach his teachings. He asked that people don't, you know, like, Nobody tries to teach his work, but basically, I have I have done a training to be one of his uh, his corporate consultants, so I can at least give a little bit of a pitch. Mm. But, but basically, you know, as as I would put it, like he's basically sharing with people that they're greater than you think, more powerful than you know, and more unlimited than you could ever dream. Like he comes on the stage at the week long events and gives the most unbelievable speech, or, or you know, s- telling stories and sharing about um, and not about him about how like the reason people are here he says like you know you know something uh that you may not be able to explain or put into words but you feel it and it's just such a beautiful thing and it just struck me i was like this i I just felt like you know you just kind of know it's like i've been looking at all this other stuff but this is what it is and it's it's i still don't know exactly what words to use Mm -hmm. for it but it struck me and as i practice what he you know some of the things he shares at the events the meditations, you know, you open your focus, you, uh, ex- you know, open your focus instead of putting it on specific things, pre- people, problem, places, things in your environment. When you open your focus, your brain waves slow down. And so your brain waves go down and you go into the subconscious mind. And then you can, you know, naturally, like we were talking about this morning, sometimes certain emotions come up or things come up and you kind of just let that happen. And I had so many beautiful experiences, like where my heart truly opened. Like I remember one night after doing these walking meditations he does at these events feeling so much love, like so open and so connected to everyone, like and so grateful that I was like in this community on this beach with all these people walking as their future selves. Like I felt so touched and I felt so much love that I literally had to call like all of my family members just to tell them how much I loved them. I just felt like I had to do that. And I was just like, this is like what I've always wanted. Like that's it. And so all of it came kind of, so so to go full circle, it's my story and it's also a little bit about Dispenza. It's like, I think all I wanted all the way was just to feel whole. Mm. And so I didn't feel whole. 
at least for the, a long part of that journey. And I just was trying to do every single thing to try to feel whole, whether it was the food or the light, mm-hmm. like sunlight stuff. And, and there's still value behind eating healthy and getting sunlight and, you know, circadian rhythms while we're attached to this 3D body. But it was just learning that that isn't the be-all, end-all that I was looking for. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> that was well, beautiful. Thank you guys for, mm. you know, holding space. It comes back down to that, um, you know, like what you said is, is feeling whole. But it's like, mm. am I enough to receive and feel this love? Like how many businesses do I have to create and do I feel enough? How many people do I have to impact and could be conscious to, to feel enough? What's it going to take until we actually recognize that we already are enough simply by existing and being in this physical form? We're enough to receive it as we are right now. So that journey is such a beautiful representation of taking that path and, and reclaiming that understanding that you are enough through the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. It's so beautiful and so many of us have different versions of that and we all have our uniqueness of finding that path back to ourselves and you know so many that are listening right now have probably been impacted by Dispenza in the same way that you have and you know I've yet to experience his immersive retreats like that but I know that they are powerful and I feel it in you of, of what you're talking about you know that's beyond intellectual understanding it's that feeling it's that love it's that wholeness it's that enoughness that reminds us um, of what we are and who we are and what we're here to feel. It's it's so, so beautiful. I love that you say it like that. You know, and I, I tell people because I think I can sometimes, you know, talking about these amazing retreats make people feel like, oh, you have to go. Otherwise, you can't be part of the crew or the club or whatever. And it's like, in reality, no. Like, um, anyone could just sit and meditate and get to that space. It just happens that when you take time out of your busy life, as Joe says, and you, know, you make a space for yourself, and mm. you make that commitment, like you're going to keep opening up and surrendering and pushing past where you've pushed past before. I mean, then you, you know, you're, I'd say, at least more likely to get to that deeper state uh, and have some breakthroughs. And, and, and again, Joe will say, like, you can't go back to business as usual when you have an experience like that that shows you a different way of thinking. But people could go to Vipassana, you know, some people do Vipassana 10 days and just depends like how deep someone wants to go and how how much they're prepared and ready to let go of yeah and some people use medicine like uh, medicines plant medicines and things like that and that's Mm. you know their their prerogative as well so i feel really really blessed to have been able to have the experience i've uh, that i've had and you know have a business and then have the, the cash to be able to invest in myself in this way like going to these kinds of retreats uh and still focusing on it and I've only gained a completely new perspective about my business and where I'd like to take it. Whereas, like, during the times I was, you know, let's say, struggling and, and searching, I that would affect my business, of course, because like, I didn't have the, the real purpose or motivation sometimes, that feeling to get up and do something. And that's something I'm it's, – it's, it's more for me it's, – it's not like it's just a uh, – like you solve it and it's done. It's like it's a. It seems to me like it's a daily battle. Like you know, you can't just have like a great meditation and be like, I'm good for the rest of my life. Like it's like a daily challenge to, in some way, like see the meaning and re- 
remember the meaning and like remember the truth and not just get caught in the program like that is my experience with it it is a it has to be like a daily practice and mm. uh, so it's like you know it's not just like what you did before you know it's like i've heard david goggins he says this more in the fitness and pushing yourself really hard but it kind of applies on a spiritual sense as well like it's not about what you did yesterday it's about what you're mm. doing today you know like, yeah, you could have gone out and run, like, 20 miles yesterday. It's like, what are you doing today? That's, like, kind of the context he'll say it in. But I think in a spiritual way or about your life, it's the same. Like, okay, I could have had an amazing day yesterday. But it's like I start off today and, like, I have to be, like, back to grasshopper mode. Like, I am, f- like, I have my flaws and I have my challenges and I have, you know, whatever. And my strengths as well and my gifts. And it's it's time to bring those on again. I do believe, uh, you know, over time you, you – gain more power you grow your power you develop your you know your virtues and you overcome your vices so yeah there is like an upwards trajectory for sure you could see that looking at anyone who progresses in any field in anything in life uh, whether they're spiritual or athletic or whatever um, but yeah so that's that's my experience and I I'd say my mission at this point is to personally continue to work on embodying what I've learned and what I've intellectually learned and understood, but really trying to embody it in my daily life. Like, so, for example, as simple as, like, not reacting to emails or not reacting to my mother and my family, my parents. That's, like, not reacting to different situations that could happen. Like, I'm going to go fly for 20 hours tonight, and, and, like, who knows what could happen. My flight could get canceled. Like, this could change. That could change. Like, uh, I'm just trying not to react o- on that because I think that's so. This would be so valuable for people. Like, how do you, in your experience, not react, or how have you grown in that a- aspect of you? I had a really like what felt like a profound insight on the beach the other day when I was just walking and I was just I'm just doing what I've learned from Dr. Joe. You know, it's I was opening my focus, and so he does these walking meditations at his events and has people with a meditation in their ears. I, I like to try practicing with no music, nothing, just the sound of what's around me. Uh, it happens to be the case that Tallow Beach in Byron Bay is mm. empty for whatever reason, like, no one's there. It's, like it's the like most beautiful miles place of beach, and it's so beautiful, and there's <laughs> no one there. I'm like, this is, like, supposed to be a busy tourist town, and, like, like literally zero people on Tallow Beach this day. Yeah, everyone's like, left now since anyone. Chris Hemsworth left. Oh, yeah? Everyone's bailed. <laughs> That's like funny. Chris isn't here anymore. They're like out. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. It's not property, cool now. property prices <laughs> have just plummeted. Yeah, really? It's yeah. actually yeah. That's quite yeah. funny. That's interesting. But so, <laughs> so, like, and everybody congregates, and it makes sense because it's not windy and wavy on Main Beach, like north part of Byron. So I've been in Byron. That's where kind of close to where we're in the Shire. I like to say that. It sounds cool, the Shire, because <laughs> we don't have Shires in the U.S. We have, like, counties. So Shire yeah. just sounds way cooler, in my <laughs> view, in a county. But so anyway, we're out in the Shire uh, recording this. And so I was doing this walk and just really feeling really good, like surrendering. So you asked about, you know, how, how do I, well, how do I not react? So my current understanding is that, like, within us, we have good and evil. And so the purpose of life, I felt this like pretty profoundly, and I don't know if it's really true, but it felt true to me, that like the purpose of life is one of the main purposes of life, or at least a significant part of the process of life and realizing the purpose is learning how to overcome evil within ourselves, 
like simply put. So like there's good and evil within ourselves. And so the evil will present itself in the form of us wanting to react or something. And so like learning so you, to identify that. you call that. reaction evil? It's like, hey, yeah, like yeah, yeah, I would. simple terms. Yeah, right, I would. Okay. I mean, good and evil. Like, so usually people use evil in the sense, I, I've maybe, we're, we're no, I like this. I, I like, like breaking it down a little bit because then it can, you know, it can be implemented and understood rather than people going, good and evil, no, that's bullshit. It's like, so yeah. evil to use like a reaction from well, the body, like an instinctual reaction or like a, a something that's not been worked through type thing? Or, or what do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, so like usually when people hear the word evil, I should probably like define my terms. Like people think like the supervillain in the movies, mm. like that that's evil. Yeah. But like I think the biggest lie, one of the biggest lies we're taught is that evil doesn't live within us. Mm. Like when I react and I'm mean to someone, that's evil showing mm. its face. Like that is the evil like coming out. And and that that's that that's what it is. Could another could, could another word for it be like fear versus love? Good yeah, and evil. Yeah, you could. Yeah, absolutely. I think fear versus love would be like a, a very much uh, parallel or d- directly related. Because if you're in, if you're like so, fear is evil. So like I'm using the term in a biblical sense, yeah. the evil. Yeah. So I'm like I'd I'm have on, to I'm think I'm about. I'm on your page now. Yeah, I'd have to think about a <laughs> biblical quote, but. Um, yeah, I'd ha- I have to think if there's a quote that comes to my mind where I'm specifically, where it perfectly encapsulates. I'll, it'll come to me. Yeah. Um, Rack that library. It'll, it'll pop out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so another synonym for evil is Satan. So mm. Satan in the Bible is the personification of evil. And Satan tempted Jesus for 40 days in the death, or he came and tempted him, and he showed him all the treasures of the world. This is evil. Mm. And he basically said, um, you know, get thee hence, Satan, so get get away, leave me evil mm-hmm. get away from me and um another synonym for evil is maya which is the illusion so i'm using it in that context mm-hmm. not like the super villain in the movie i'm talking like th- like so for example another way i would Im- say evil like so when you're having an argument say somebody's having an argument with their friend and they know exactly the right thing to say to really hurt that person and they say it even though they didn't have to and they'll probably regret it but they say it because it's like the perfect jab, and like the thing is, a lot of this stuff, like as as I understand, like it's, um, it's like so there's so much, so much is like subjective. Let's say so, like you could say something that's like not really true, but like because you're angry and you say it, and you know it's an insecurity the other person have, they'll actually start to believe it. Mm. Like so, like you know, we mm. we are what we pr- what we I think like we don't see the world as as it is we see it as we are and like we project our stuff onto the world so like if your friend has an insecurity like this or that like it may be like half true or half not true but like by projecting that onto them it's like saying you're this you can actually ingrain that th- that reality versus seeing that like you could base I believe especially working in my business like I could have an employee and I could make them like they have the quality to be really successful or like think that they're stupid and not capable and I could put them in the box if you're stupid and not capable or I could put you in the box of you're capable of anything and they even say that about kids like you know g- you give me a kid under the age of seven and I'll turn them into I'll show you mm. anything like there's a quote from a psychologist or something um, so anyhow th- that is evil in my view mm. to, to, to say that thing you shouldn't say and that's I you know, Jesus came up uh, in our conversation yesterday I really go back to a lot of things I've learned in the Bible because, like, so, for example, a verse that, uh, that or a, a phrase from the Bible that's has stuck with me a lot is, like, um, 
who, like any man, it's something like whosoever looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already sinned in his heart. So it's like if you really think about that. So if you look at a woman, for example, with like an intention of like wrongdoing or like something like that, or like just a superficial desire, sexual desire, whatever, like, and you really feel that, like, it's it's interesting. He's basically saying that it's not the acting on that, but it's it's the des- it's like letting the desire penetrate your heart. Fully. And so it's like ha- yeah, sorry, sorry. So, so for example, like y- some guy might say, Oh yeah, but I, I didn't I didn't ever touch her, mm-hmm. we never did anything. But it's like, no, but that's the thing, like if you were given the chance and you could have, would you have? And like a lot of the time the answer would have been yes, but someone just didn't get the chance. So it's not like so like if somebody's like sure that they want to kill someone, but they don't, they might be like, Oh well I, I didn't. But like if they would have if they had the chance, like you could argue that the sin this is what Jesus is saying, the mm-hmm. sin is in the the f- fully allowing that desire and to penetrate your heart. how do you think that heart. sin and desire is created in the human condition? That's a great question. I think that's above my pay grade, actually. <laughs> but um, but I, if I had to guess based on what I've read, it's all like karma. Like the Hindu word is karma. So like we're You given don't believe it's taught throughout our life? Uh, well, maybe to or a certain learned. extent. I mean, certainly there's certain extent. But like I don't – I wouldn't – I wouldn't say, like, babies come in now based on what I've been learning. Like, babies don't come in, like, a clean slate. Like, yes, like, babies are, like, pure and everything. Like, they're very pure, but they come in supposedly. And I'm more and more as I read more and learn more and things happen in a way that leads me to believe in this more woo-woo stuff. Because I, as I was going to say earlier, like, I wasn't, like, I was pretty skeptical of, like, reincarnation and past lives. Even as, and this is where I originally went off track at one point and lost, totally lost my train of thought, like, here we are. Um, <laughs> we'll I, I, what, like, I've been pretty open to stuff that's, like, out there. Like, paleo was out there in 2014. Like, I've been open to a lot of that stuff. But there's still certain things that, for my analytical, intellectual mind that we were talking about earlier, still had a hard time really trying to understand, like, reincarnation. Like, mm. I still can't work that one within. Like, I can work all the stuff Dispenza does and all the stuff he teaches and all this within the model of understanding I have from a scientific perspective of there's energy within us and all around us. And he says, feel the energy that's within us and all around us like tune into it and feel and those are like the electrons i mean there's a lot more than that he makes the point but um we have a visitor hello <laughs> Just <on the> ship. <laughs> yeah um so basically i can understand all of that within the context of the science that i understand reincarnation it's a little harder but if if the body is a being of light and the soul is like an informational pattern of light and energy which i do believe and it makes sense based on the science i've read then it kind of makes sense that when someone dies, I mean, for sure, there's there's research I've read, like, when we die, the, the, our cells, like, leak light energy for many hours. Like, that's, you could argue, the soul leaving wow. the body. So that energy goes out. The question is, how does it stay organized in such a way as to reenter another mm. physical body? That, mm. to me, is a little bit, like, hard to wrap my head around. But I'm still opening up to it. So anyway, um, you were asking something that relates to that. full circle back to like what you were um, presenting before I feel like an easy way to conceptualize that for people is like you've got your your higher self which will respond always with love and it will have time to process and and respond and then there's like the ego side that will react and it's like trying to create a challenge or trying to make it difficult for yourself or for your body or someone else so I feel like creating that differentiation between higher self and ego self I feel for many people, especially our audience, will understand that. Mm-hmm. I feel really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great that. point. I So I, I should even clarify, like when I'm using the term evil, I'm not using it 
like in I'm, I don't even say it like it's bad. No, uh, you that don't. Be and, funny. And, and I think, that's but, but what we're what we're trying to just like um, get really clear is people, as you know, it's the it's so ingrained and learned. It's like mm. that word has such a energy around it. Yeah, that's it does. It doesn't need to be like that. But when but I say it, do you I guys know. feel the energy? No, 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 no. Like I don't. Not at all. So like maybe like a yeah. syn a, a synonym you could use would be sin mm. or like good versus bad. If if people feel better about bad, but like I I use the term evil really intentionally. So when we're talking about this um this you know higher self lower self the ego, like I would say based on the definitions I'm using of evil, the ego is evil because the ego is fully rooted in maya, Survival. which is the illusion. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I'm not saying – but when I say the ego is evil, I'm not saying it like the ego in the way that pe most people would understand. Course, yeah. Like the ego yeah. the ego is horrible. Like, no, the ego is a survival mm -hmm. mechanism, right? But it, if, you, if you let it dominate you, you're letting mm – -hmm something that's part of the illusion. So forget evil. Let's say Maya, the illusion in Hinduism. You're letting the illusion dominate you. So that would be the illusion that you have to be mean to that person mm. or that you you know that you need You're to acting have in a limited way. Yeah, as, yeah, as yes, exactly. You, or you have to have sex with mm. that girl in order Playing to feel whole. Whatever. And so like I, I do believe in Joe talks like I'm so glad you brought that in because this whole thing, this whole branding now is unlimited. You mm. know, that's like their kind of their their brand slogan, like unlimited and uh, with Dr. Joe Dispenza and you know I think that that's kind of what I'm talking about. So I'm not I'm not saying like it's good or it's bad. Like if you react to somebody, like it, it is what it is, right? Like Joe says, you know, it's it's not about whether you not react, whether or not you react. It's about how long, how long you mm. can keep that going, or how you know how long mm. you can keep before doing you catch that. yourself. Yeah, before you catch yourself and, and change it. And so it's like I think what we're talking about from a pretty I would say like non-emotional matter-of-fact perspective is like do we want to live a life where we believe the illusion and we stay limited and we stay as like a more biblical uh language would would say like stay trapped in sin or do we want to be liberated but in order to be free from everything i've studied like we have to let go of ourselves like and joe says the same thing basically like you know everything that's not love within you must die mm. so i'll give him credit every time i say something that he's <laughs> shared because why not you know um that is to me the goal so like people i guess if you looked at my what i'm doing and people would be like wow it's really cool like you're living the dream you're doing this um I can't say that I've mastered this stuff because I have not. In fact, I feel that I'm like mm, very, very, very much still a student in this. Like, and and then I, th I thought about this the other day too. I was like, and this I think this I don't know if it was the same time, but it coincided with this uh, feeling I had on the beach about this idea that I'll I'll go full circle. But it was like, hmm, like maybe it's good that I feel like I'm so much the student because like. Like, no matter how much somebody could tell me, like, I know a lot, I feel like I don't, you know? Mm. So, okay, I think that's good <laughs> because then, like, uh, like and I'm <laughs> being super honest. Like, I, I, I really, a lot of the time, feel, like, almost to a fault insufficient about my own knowledge about what I know. And whether it's about the stuff I do in my business or about other stuff, like, sometimes maybe it would be better if I did kind of own that I know that I know this or that. But, um that definitely keeps, I think that helps keep me, like, grounded, that I know I have a ton of growth, I know I have a ton of growth to do, like, I react all the time, right, or not all the time, but fairly regularly, um, but so to, to tie this loop uh, from this day I was walking on the beach, I felt, like, so much great energy, like, I had had a great meditation earlier that day, and I went for this walk, and I just felt so open, and yeah, just, I just felt this huge download, like, 
like my purpose in life is to overcome the evil within myself, period. Like that's it. Like overcome the evil within myself because that is the natural way that I believe like the joy can express itself. So like if I have an issue with discipline and I want to be more disciplined, for example, like I need to like master that part of myself. Or if I have an issue with like reacting to emails, which I do way too often because I have so much to deal with every day um, in the business and I'm learning how to delegate and how to, but it's like people say, oh, delegate. But like I'm also learning it from my experience. It's shown me that until I've mastered my relationship with something, I can't necessarily delegate it. Like I have to, there has to not be an energetic charge anymore. Otherwise I'm just trying to like shun a responsibility. Like I have to get cool with something. doesn't mean I have to become an expert in graphic design or something like that, but I just have to be cool with something and be like, okay, this is good to be able to pass it off in a way that's really like centered, level-headed and balanced. And I had this experience because I started to try to build a team around this time of the pandemic and brought on some employees and right around when I was first getting into Dispenza. And if I look at it in retrospect, like I was really stressed, like overwhelmed, feeling overwhelmed, not feeling like I had a direction, which is probably the uh, uh, one of the roots of the stress was feeling like directionless, like spinning my wheels. Like, okay, how much money are we going to make? How, how are we going to like grow? But like, what's the point? Even if we do mm. 10X, what's the point? Like if I don't feel why I'm doing it. So that was, I think, the root. But so without having identified that as the root, it was just the daily superficial struggle about all this or that. If I had sat with myself, I might have seen, no, there's a deeper uh, imbalance or a deeper feeling of dis-ease, like a lack of ease, actually. And But anyway, so I hired some people and tried to start building a team and eventually like had to let them go, um, this sort of initial team I had started building out, because... Well, I wasn't ready at that time to, like, show up. Like, I would say as a man, like, speaking from a masculine perspective, like, as a man as opposed to a boy, like, show up as a man and own, I think, a a large part of becoming a man or just becoming a mature adult in any respect, but I'll say becoming a man, is, like, owning the fact that, like, that there is unknown in life. You know, like, I think a boy wants to kind of avoid that like the Peter Pan syndrome, like, but owning the fact that there is certain unknown and there is going to be struggles and life isn't necessarily easy. Like this isn't like you're born and we're in heaven. Like this is the, the plane of demonstration as Dispenza calls it. Like this is the place where we have to overcome that evil because it is here, you know? So like there's no one, like if we look at it from another perspective, there's no experience happening in the world outside of us, like period, like, I don't even know if you guys are having the same experience. For all I know, you guys are just part of my simulation. No clue. Mm. Like, and there's just no, literally no way to know that as far as I know. Maybe if you become an enlightened master, transcended, you could. But so knowing that case and really getting, coming to grips with that and back to my story of walking on the beach and and feeling this idea, it's like, if that's true, which I I really believe it is, like how, like, How could I prove that there's that other people are having a conscious experience of the world in the same way I am? I just could I don't know. So, but some one person might say, okay, well then that means you could just screw everyone over and do whatever you want, take whatever you want. And I'm saying like that's the exact is the evil. And the opposite would be like doing right, like doing good for good's sake, like doing yeah. right just for Even the sake of doing the right thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like what the great masters teach in many ways, like overcome. So. 
if it's just my world, then there's good and there's evil. And I'm not trying to make it like oversimplified black or white. There's, m- there's many facets to life, but like <laughs> maybe I am oversimplifying it. But to me, as I, as I, as best I can see it, like simple, there's love. Yeah, there's, I mean, simple usually means it's on point. Like in my experience, like there's love and openness and truth. Like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the light. Like there's that. And then there's like, Stress, and then you, when, when you get into stress and survival and the illusion, then there becomes a lot of complexity because mm. things become pretty complicated when you're stuck in the illusion. So, and that's kind of like my my conclusion at this point in in life right now is like, I have to be able to just overcome my reactions every day because the only thing that makes my life anything but absolutely amazing. I mean, I, let me say this another way: like, if you have the ability, I mean, and, uh, again, I'm not like. I'm not super filthy rich. Like, okay, my business does well. I can do, I can travel and do the things I want to do, but I'm not like buying yachts and Lamborghinis. Like, right, you know, God, I think would bless me with that when it's my time, if it's my time. And God blesses certain people with that to learn certain lessons. Like they get super rich and you might say, oh, that person's not really developed or whatever. Why are they so rich? Well, that's their karma that they have to learn the lesson. And whether they're going to go become an alcoholic and go crazy or go and and do something good with that that money, that's, that's, I think... People don't realize how hard it is for how hard life is for a lot of people who have a lot of money. Like I would not want to be there personally in a lot of from my own experience. But so if you're given to a 23 year old or 22 or 21 year old, you give or 20 year old, whatever, like you give, you can go wherever you want. You can pretty much do whatever you want and almost with whoever you want. And you can. Yeah, the only thing you have to do is like basically figure out how to kind of like run your business and like make it work and make it keep working. Well, like, that's kind of what I was, like, given in a way. I mean, you could say, like, I worked hard for it. I did. But it, it forced me to be like, what's the point of all this? Like, mm-hmm. what is the point? Like, after a certain number of times of, like, going to Europe and traveling around, which I'm going to go to tonight, but, like, after a certain number of times, like, I, I thought, like, so I'd plan a trip and I'd be like, oh, then I'm going to go there and then I'm going to be totally stoked. Like, I'm going to be happy. And then I've, like, more recently, and I think this is a great sign for me, I'm like, for example, in Byron Bay, I'm like, all right, well, if I'm getting myself excited about going to Europe, but I'm not stoked to mm. be in Byron Bay, mm. Australia right now, it's like what it what it means to me, what it indicates to me is that I'm really good at creating a fantasy in my head of something that sounds great, mm. but then when it comes to the present moment, not really feeling it or living it. So I'm like, well, Byron Bay from afar sounds like this heaven place that I'd always wanted to visit in Australia and great beach town. So if I'm in Byron Bay and I'm not, I'm just feeling like not the way I want to feel, well, then I just have to learn how to feel the way I want to feel. And the reason I talk about the good or evil is, like, on a daily basis, this is why I brought that whole thing up about myself, not just to, not to talk about myself and my fortune, let's say, like my being fortunate in life, I mean, but um, in certain respects, I have been blessed. But to say, like, what's stopping my life from just being absolute pure bliss all the time? Because if you look at it on paper, it should be. Why not? That's why people would say to me, oh, man, it sounds like you're living the dream. But so what, it, what that exact experience has shown me is that happiness can't come from outside mm-hmm. mega cliche mm. but like like the external circumstances have almost nothing to do with happiness like and i find that like much more happiness in my experience comes from like for example like as i mentioned like the act of 
dreaming a dream and pursuing the dream. And it's like even less the actual experience mm. of having it. It's like almost more like I would look at my it's friends. The creative in, process. The creative process. Mm. Yeah. I'd look at buddies of mine who are in college and be like jealous of them because I see how they're like in the struggle, so to speak. Like like trying to figure out what they're gonna do next and going out on the weekends and having good times with their friends or like whatever. And I'm like it's almost like I wanna go back to like it was like a desire to go back to almost like childhood, not to say people in, in university or college or in childhood, but like, it's almost like, yeah, like I wanted, I, I noticed it's not a temptation necessarily. Maybe it is a temptation, like to go back to a certain level of, I don't want to say ignorance in a bad way, but a certain level of like, just being in that life of like, yeah, like I'm going to go skiing this weekend. I'm going to do this and it's going to be amazing. And like, and just feeling in that. And in some respects, I've come to think like, I don't know, maybe that's, like, maybe that's what life is about, you know, like, ha having this freedom, I thought, like, yeah, like, what, what else is there to do if you have freedom than to just, well, meditate, I think th the answer to me comes from the masters, that's why I've gotten really interested in, like, people like Dispenza and Jesus and Yogananda, because, like, Yogananda, from what I recall, he says, like, the purpose of life is to experience, like, the joy of God, like, that is the purpose, like, it is to be happy, it's not just a cliche, like, that is the true purpose, but so then I look at myself, it's like, okay, well, what's between me and God? And that's what I define as the evil mm. within myself. And it's like learning, using every single opportunity in my life to overcome that. And it's the same exact thing. I can't take credit for this at all. It's the same thing Michael Singer talks about in The Untethered Soul or The Surrender Experiment. Mm -hmm. Like learning how to let go every time that mm -hmm. wants to try to take over, learning how to let go. Beautiful. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean that's like i mean that's like my my personal experience and i'm i'm just uh yeah. want to well. bring it bring it out because like if i can say to people like listen like i promise you so there's a, a friend of mine this friend i met this uh this ayurvedic medicine doctor and, and yogi um, named balarama who i met surfing who first told me about dispenza and yogananda who practices kriya yoga this technique of of breathing and and a meditation for realization and it's one of like many like kundalini and all these others but it's the ones who follow it basically say it is like the fastest path to realization like self-realization and overcoming the, the kriya illusion. yoga kriya yoga yeah and michael singer also followed yogananda and practiced kriya so yoga. have you you delved into that a little bit i haven't done an initiation so you could probably google search the kriya yeah. techniques there's like eight of them i believe and probably find them but I wouldn't want to do that unless I have, like, the initiation into one of the lineages, whether Yogananda started an organization in the States called uh, the SRF. So you want to go um, to the roots of, like, where it's from, the people that are really aligned with it, rather yeah. than just, like, yeah. picking bits up. Yeah, because then you can get, yeah. like, I you that. know that you're yeah. learning it in a pure way. Pure. Like, yeah, the same there's way... There's no taint to it. There's no, like, different ideas or conceptions. Yeah, like, yeah. they keep it super pure. They, they pass the blessing. And then, actually, if you believe in this stuff, which I believe we all do here... Um, you have this energy that's passed to you through the lineage of all the masters mm. that strengthens and supports your practice, and it's it's with you, and it's your guide. That's like the guru-disciple sort of bond. So that's something that interests me because I'm like, okay, well, if at this point, like, you know, nothing in the material world is going to bring me that, like, true lasting joy, and that's basically what they teach. Like, I was just listening to a lecture recently from one of Yogananda's disciples y many years after Yogananda passed away, and it was like a celebration of his birthday or something like this, and so they were uh, giving a, le a lecture, 
And this this uh, monk was one of the brothers in their organization. He was saying, like, the the the, the master's first so master's first teaching when he came to America was basically that you cannot find happiness in the like true ultimate happiness, like ultimate fulfillment, which is what I believe I have realized that I'm after. That you can't find that in the world of duality because for he told this interesting story like that a kid had a, a birthday and the kid was so happy and they asked like oh well, what'd you do for your birthday he's like well i ate candy mm. and cake and cookies and chocolate and ice cream and then they said like oh and then what did you do and then the kid was like and then i threw up you know <laughs> like so it's, it's just a small little <laughs> kid story but of the duality like so you can take all the pleasure from yeah. all the foods uh, for example or phys- material pleasures but then there's always the duality side of that so like that we can't find permanent happiness and joy in this reality. That became an interesting idea can for I me. Can I ask, um, what's your, uh, like, can you speak into happiness and what that is for you? Like, how that feels in your body? I feel like it's, my sense is that happiness would just be like our natural state, you know? Like, that would be our natural state when we're, unburdened by evil i'm using the term <laughs> yeah i'm using it a lot but like I, and again specifically i'm referring so evils yeah evil sins like like illusion right like so f- just just living from a place of openness and love yeah i, I guess so like the heart would be open because mm. like the heart only closes as i understand when we give in to mm. the illusion in some respect and again am i saying that i've got it mastered heart open all the time definitely no, but not it's like, like the knowing yeah. yeah, but so I'm trying to be more aware of it. And so if I could do like anything, I guess at this point with like, let's say as far as a mission or purpose, like as I first mentioned, you know, first was um, embody it to the maximum extent that I can. But then to be able to, for example, like go to a stage or go on a podcast and just basically just, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to ever pretend that I have answers one, like for things I don't have answers for. Like or that I have all the answers to someone's problems or something like this. This is just me purely speaking about my experiences and what I've learned. But like to be able to say to someone who's like in the struggle, um, you know, I've done these things. I've built this business. I've done this. And and for me, I can't say what it will do for Mm. you, but for me, it was not what I thought it was. Like I ended up like almost being enslaved to my own business or feeling enslaved to my own business that that was entirely my own perception my own creation not actually true reality my business was my greatest teacher and blessing and an opportunity in actual reality and uh, with an untainted view an unbiased view a view that wasn't poisoned by the word i'm using evil or mm. sin or illusion that's what my business has actually been but i felt the opposite so it's like okay well where's the disconnect there like it must be with me something in my perception, some belief or something or emotion. Um, so to be able to share that and be like, listen, like this is, you know, especially to younger people, like it's not what you think it is, like the whole rat race, we, c- we could call it. Um, doesn't mean we're not going to go into the world and do things, like that we're all just going to go and be monks. Like uh, I remember this Qigong master in Norway when I first, so if I look back on it, my, my whole life has just been like, touched and blessed by different spiritual people i've been fortunate enough to come across and he said like it's not about retreating from the world he said something like bakers will bake better bread you know soccer Mm. players will pay play better soccer Mm. 
business people will run better businesses. We so talk about this all the time, bro. It's like being becoming more aware of yourself and connected to that source energy, God, love, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't mean you drop everything and you go and live in, in the fucking cave of the Himalayas. Like it, it just brings a more pure energy to whatever you're doing and it actually will fuel and help create a, a better world in some sense. Mm. Um, it's something that we yeah, continue to talk about because I think when people start the path, it can be quite scary. Like, oh, fuck, I've, like, everything is like, uh, it, it's, it's, it's like you die completely. In some senses, you do. Parts of you do need to die, but it's not as dramatic uh, as, as the ego, the brain might create and, and as scary as that might seem. Yeah. Totally. It's it's so interesting. Like, there's a few different themes that are running in my mind as you're sharing this. Like, thinking about, um, so Rick, who, who just launched his podcast, so shout out to Rick Rubin and his new Tetragrammaton podcast, I have to say, and he interviewed Phil Jackson, mm. this NBA, like, coach who coached Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, and I was listening to it as we drove up because he just, um, just finished the first interview. It just went live. And I-, I listened to the intro for the podcast. It was a short two-minute clip with some guy kind of, like, interviewing him and asking what the podcast is going to be about and there he was talking about like he just wants to talk to people who are interesting to him and the interviewer said like okay well what you could you kind of cl- help maybe m- help me understand what makes someone interesting for you and he's like i don't know i just like i just feel it and he's like is there something you you try to you want to specifically ask uh people about or something like that and he's like rick just said nope like i just go in blank like i just go in blank and then he said something that was so profound he's like you know, like maybe by the end of, so he says something like maybe by the end of the interview, they'll be blank with me. Like maybe they'll become more mm. blank with me, you know? And I just thought that was so profound. Like, so if you think about Ram Dass, the movie about him called Becoming Nobody, um, like and J- Dispenza, like he says, surrender into nothing, like nothing rather than space was the word they used to use as a cue in the meditations. But now it's more about feel all the nothing know within you and all around you and it seems like there's something going on here about nothing nobody uh you know emptiness uh blank like rick said about the podcast like so i'm just thinking about our podcast like a great outcome of this podcast for me would be that we all walk away like you know in a way like blank yeah. like totally <laughs> open to like reality as opposed to like these preconceived because i could see myself coming into a podcast and thinking like what am i gonna say or like what should like how should i be and all this stuff and if we could just get more blank mm. at the end of an interview. We'll just, we'll just all sit here, just silent. <laughs> yeah, like, that'd be so funny. <laughs> but in a way, like, it, it's, it, I'm so saying. glad, but I know ex- I get what you're saying. And it's funny because that relates just exactly what you said. Like, at least in my experience of coming into this world, like, it feels overwhelming. Like, what? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I have to let go of this or that. Or, like, just, you know, these ideas someone would say to me. Like, it just just doesn't, it, like, explain explode my mind and make me angry or frustrated like what is going on like the the, what you said like doesn't answer my question at all and like the wise one knows that it is the answer but like you're like no it's not the answer (laughs) but um if we yeah to, to for us to be able to just sit and be in like nothingness and peace it's almost like somehow that that like is the end you know if you can like sit in nothing and be totally happy and free like that in my mind and and this could be wrong all of this could be wrong but in my mind that is like a test of 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 success or enlightenment for me not that i'm trying to be like enlightened but 
Um, of course, it'd be a great place to be. But what I mean is like, so I see meditation more and more as the practice of like sitting down and like any, I'm going to use the word evil again, like any evil, like something that wants to come into my head and say, you got to do this, you got to do that. You're not worthy if you haven't answered your emails yet today or whatever. Like you can't chill until that's done. Like, so basically just becoming familiar with what those voices are already before I've even gotten left in my bedroom. Like, to me, that's how I'm viewing meditation right mm. now. That, that, that'll that probably evolve because I'm sure, like, once you get over that phase, then there's the phase of, like, ascending higher and going deeper. But I'm at the stage, I'll be super open about it, like, I want to sit and meditate and, like, become familiar with those voices, like, whatever's there, and hopefully be able to let go of them long enough that then, and this is what I experienced at some of these dispenser retreats and also many times in my own experience, sometimes not even meditating, just surfing or just whatever. But there is that formula that dispenses, um, you know, shared about a lot and, and teaches about. That's an, It's the ancient formula, like losing yourself, like Ram Dass says, becoming nobody. And then somehow everything becomes like more magical. Like I've had moments, I'm sure you guys have, you do breath work, like you lead a group of breath work people, you know, like those moments when you come back and you've had this crazy like sort of trip moment where you just got like the DMT release in the brain and you're like, I don't know who I am or what I am. And everything's just really interesting and cool mm. for that, like at least that bit before the identity returns. So it seems to me like the goal or at least the practice is actually dissolving the identity. Mm. And like, and oh, there's such a good, uh, such a good quote right now here is like, I don't know if it's if, if it's from the Bible, but the idea is like you you lose yourself to become everything. Like mm. there is a verse in the Bible; it'll, it'll come to me eventually. But like basically, even though you think you're giving away everything, you're giving away what you think is everything yeah. to actually become everything yeah. to gain everything. That to me is a really mm. cool idea. So it's like you think you're losing it. It's like if only you knew. If only we knew. Yeah like what's actually awaiting us. And then Dispenza, he says all the time, like it's <laughs> there's a 99.9% chance, 99999, that we perceive less than, like less than 1%, 0.001% of reality. And Elon's even tweeting, like, you know, there's a 100% chance that this is a simulation. Because mm. even our senses... I think about this all the time, eh? Yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll yeah, let no, you carry I'm on. just saying our senses are like, we're, we know from the, of the visible light spectrum, we perceive like, a super small fraction of that. So, like, if you think about that, like, what else is going on around us that we're not perceiving? Everything. Yeah. And, uh, talking into what you were just speaking into before, I really loved um, about the practice of letting go of the attachment to need to create or change or do um, certain actions or certain things. And that's what I feel everyone feels in you and your ability to just flow with life. And that's why you end up in the most amazing places and around the most amazing people is because people feel your genuineness and your lack of need to create or be a certain person or a version of yourself. And that's where I feel this conversation's gone to. Like, we didn't come to this conversation as, as a group going, we want to talk about this, we want to talk about that. We're going, Let's just see where this conversation goes. And I, I think that is, and I feel that is, that is God or that is the universe talking and working through us when we get out of the way and allow that energy or allow that creation to come through the system. Thanks, brother. Yeah. yeah, I totally see how on a daily basis, and this probably is like my current thing to overcome, I still do, as much as I appreciate you commending me, I have to admit, like I still have an identity that I'm creating every day. Like I'm Matt Maruka, and I, 
have this business and we're going to build the greatest lighting company the world has ever known. And like, I'm still building that. And it's interesting because these questions, the questions only get like more deep, deep is def exact <laughs> word I was looking for or coming to. Um, but also like, I, I guess the cool thing is that they, they can get simpler in a good way. What I mean is, so if you have this awareness, like let's just say you had a meditation where you became the entire universe, like it's happened to people. It hasn't mm, happened to me, but I've had some pretty, you know, personal like releases, like big releases and openings and feeling this amazingness. And it's like, if that's the truth, which I'm putting all my chips, I'm going all in that that is the truth. Like that is closer to the truth. You know, I'm putting all my chips in that because um, that's what I want to do. I'm putting my eggs in that basket, <laughs> like all. And people don't don't say don't put all your eggs in one basket. I'm like, no, I'm putting all my eggs in the God basket, like hundred million percent. But so if that's like more the ultimate reality, and then this is the illusion, it's like, well, and I'm just keep going back to the same thing, which is a good sign. It's like, well, then what's between me and that? Mm. And it's like the evil the the, yep. the 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 illusion maya stuff. again the, yeah triggers and like that's what we have to overcome because i think about it I, I this it struck me recently like if i had mastered the being matt maruka and not being attached and building up the company then i wouldn't be doing it in this lifetime it just made sense to me it's like i have to do this so what i'm i guess what i'm trying to say is that for my ego mind like for the part that wants to try to understand everything in a simple way it's like well why do i have to be here if that's the truth like why do i have to be here doing this and like if even to be more to the point because this is much more practical for me as far as like what i think about every day it's like if that is the ultimate reality then why wouldn't i just quit everything and just be like it's all gonna work out anyway like it's all good like just kind of somehow not do what i'm doing because what, what i'm doing isn't easy what like is stopping you Great question. Somehow, like, so uh, what uh, What I'm getting at by that, like, just kind of, like, ditching everything would probably be closer to, like, going and being, like, a monk and living in a monastery. And, you know, just kind of starting. And first of all, like, I don't feel like my heart light up at the thought of that. And, like, I, I don't feel that's my calling. And I have, I'd say, guidance from like, people who I trust who are tapped in in this way, that that isn't necessarily my path in this lifetime. Um, but first of all, nothing is, n n is in, in reality, it's a really great, great question. In reality, is, as I understand, like nothing is stopping me from like maintaining a full awareness of the truth at all times, except my own limitations. And that, like that state, they call it, I forget the exact to samadhi? samadhi but there's a specific type of samadhi oh, okay. yeah that that is exactly what i was what i was looking for samadhi but there's a specific type of samadhi that you maintain in your waking life so some masters can uh, reach samadhi states in their meditation but then there's the state when you can Walk constantly be in samadhi yeah oh, and the final okay. samadhi is nirbhikalpa samadhi which is when you can consciously exit your body that's the Drop final the body they yeah call so it, there's like it. three stages so there's like the first samadhi in meditation then there's the conscious all the time samadhi so like what's between me and the conscious samadhi all the time well i would just trying to be like honest and humble like i haven't done that work like there's a lot of work to be done to get there to overcome that so that would be the first answer but so then like and that's why I said I, I personally have a call to be in the Kriya Yoga path because this is specifically what it focuses on is overcoming that. Now, 
as far as my business goes, like that being something that I can work on, um, I don't know how to put this any other way than like, it just kind of makes, it makes sense to me that like, that that is my initiation. Like if I just went and became a monk and just practiced Kriya Yoga or some kind of other spiritual discipline, meditation or whatever all day, just to become like one with God, like, okay, that's great. And for certain people, that's their calling and that's how they can contribute the most to the world. But it's like, this is, I think, a really important point. Like, what about everyone else in the world? Like, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, we need to rescue all the other souls. Like, I don't necessarily know if that's exactly how it is. But, like, as a matter of fact, like, if, if all we can go off of is the fact that it is the way that it is. Like, if we can ex- all accept in this conversation that what is, is. If we can have that as a foundational assumption, then what is, is the fact that there's all these people on this planet living this life in this potentially an illusion, simulation, that all have this life going on. And if we can gain higher levels of awareness, but then not just hop on out, but kind of contribute to to this, I think that's one valuable thing. But secondly, like, I would have to reach, like, to be in that constant samadhi state. I'd have to overcome a lot of myself. And, like, as Michael Singer shares in The Untethered Soul, like, your life is your perfect opportunity to overcome your limitations. Like, you've been given exactly what you need, even though it doesn't seem like it. So I can see how, like, my business is my perfect opportunity. Like, you could put it one way. A friend of mine likes to say, like, he said, he said to me, like, I'm not interested in just making $100 million to just make $100 million. He's like, what kind of man would I have to be to be running a $100 million company? Like, who would I have to become? Like, what would I have to let go of? Like, how would I have to feel every day? How would I have to show up when I open my eyes every day? What kind of passion? Like, one of the things that inspires me about Joe Dispenza more than anything is, like, the level of passion that he brings to his life. Like, what kind of person? I ask myself, like, what kind of, what would I have to feel like? Like, what would it feel like to wake up and open my eyes every day? How would I have to feel to basically stand on a stage in front of an audience and lead them to a higher level of understanding and energy for a full week? I mean, he exerts himself 14 plus hours a day and then after that dinners and meetings with important people and this and that, like 16, 20 hours a day, barely sleeps for a week, once a month. And then on the free time, it's like he's busy. He's doing Does so. Does he love it? Does he love it? Yeah, I think yeah. he does love it. But I'm, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> he has to. And yeah. I ask myself, like, what would, if, if that were me, what would I have to feel? How would, how would that feel in my body if I was in that level of passion? And so that's sort of what I've been, let's say, practicing. Like, cult, how do I cultivate, like, a passion for life in myself that when I wake up in the morning, it isn't like, oh, another day or something. Like, this is challenging. It's like, no, like, what am I going to create that's going to be, like, really mm. cool today? And, and if you tune in, uh, from my experience, if you get good at tuning into that energy, mm-hmm. like, life could become so much more exciting. Like, I've had times where life really didn't feel exciting, and I felt pretty miserable, and, like, there was no end in sight. Mm. But then when I've sometimes tuned into the frequency, and this is, like, a day-to-day, day-to-day thing, like we said earlier, tuned into the frequency of, like, what if today was going to be, like, an absolutely epic day? And then it was. It's like, oh, well, I could have – I could – I'd be cool with some more of those. Like, I'd be happy to keep going. So I see my company as the initiation to, to like, because it's not easy. Like, it's definitely, you guys know, building an organization, like, it can become, it only gets, uh, probably only gets harder, actually. So it's like, who would I have to become to be able to build an organization that's going to, like, and then we had this conversation yesterday, but I see it in my organization as, like, raw. It's raw optics now, but we'll eventually just be raw as a way to inspire people. So, like, yeah, we're going to make great lighting products to help 
change the light, but like I'd rather it be a company more than anything that inspires people. And that's why I, I look to Apple for inspiration. Like Steve Jobs, he, he was always like, he didn't say, I want to create supercomputers that do this and that. He's like, I want to create products. I want to create great products that inspire people yeah. and think we think different. Like they had that mm, commercial that's really famous, yeah. like think differently. And then even Simon Sinek, he, he always talks about starting with why, you know, and he uses Apple as an example. Like they don't say we have this mm. supercomputer with all these features. No, they start with like we like our products are for people who who believe what we believe, who think different. And that's yeah, an inspiring starts with an energy. And yeah. and I like I'm I'm I my brain works like yours in some respects of like I don't just try and figure out the the surface level things i'll go to the roots of like what is the greatest capacity or expansion of whatever that is and then i'll work backwards from there into my life and what what i feel what i'm here for is to set myself free and the mo and i'm not free by by any means I'm, I'm free in some sense but yeah. it's, it's continual yeah, progress but the more i free myself the more love i share in this life the more I just want that for others. And I feel it just becomes this creative process. I, and this world turns into a playground of the more I open and free myself, the more I want to play and create and just assist other human beings and this planet that we're on. And we talk about this all the time. And it's it's like this is a fucking playground. It's a, it's a playground. And that mo that biggest, not the biggest, the I feel the most free humans are the ones that just create it's just a creative process i feel like at our core we are just creators and yeah. um i i really resonate with what you're saying because it's sort of it's quite aligned um there. i'm so glad you say this you know a f few things come to mind with that so like first of all Joe talks about, uh, and, and in many of his teachings and books and everything, like you can either be in survival or in creation, mm. right? This is a core part of the uh, the uh, corporate consulting training as well. Like you can, when we're in survival, it's impossible to be in creation because you're in survival. Mm. You're narrowed, focused, higher brainwave states, you know, higher beta rather than a w divergent, broad focus, open focus, seeing more of reality and relaxed breathing and alpha brain more alpha slower brainwave state that's when we're more creative so like i ask myself like when you're talking about like the world's a p playground like okay well if i'm the kid because it happens with some frequency that i find myself like as the kid let's say and now i'm just using this as a metaphor but like i'm the kid in the corner of the playground who's stuck thinking that that's all he has and banging his head against the wall or frustrated with his toys or whatever and he doesn't see the full playground like well how do you get that kid out of that position like you just have to help to help him or her to see that there's so much more and it's kind of like that's what all the spiritual masters are doing that's what everyone you know who, who's who's maybe gained some awareness is maybe trying to help others do not everyone but many just it's like what are mm. we doing at the end just of the day planting like seeds like just different perspectives and and like everyone's got a different way of basically trying to articulate the same thing or share the same thing is uh, you know you've got god you've got all these different religions you got what we do like the breathwork meditation kind of things dr joe dispenza's way of doing it with a little bit more of the science for those that are in the head you got the the yogis it's all the same shit it's all the fucking same shit at the core of it and i think that's the creative process like what works for you and share from a place of embodied experience and it's a felt thing rather than a 
uh, intellectual thing sometimes, but I feel um, just coming, Joe's been a big topic in this conversation, but like he really helped me because I feel in, 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 a, in this world, a lot of the people are really in here because it's that survival mindset and it really helps the brain come to ease so that we can get through the brain and into here and start creating. Um, so yeah, there's just so such a diverse range of ways to bring forward what is like a a really congruent message. All yeah, around. yeah, and I I as soon as you're sharing this, I I get this like I, I love sometimes when some when there's a, a thought or an idea that comes in, like sometimes the answer comes in like lightning. Mm. You know, <laughs> I find in my experience like it's not so much about finding answers as it is about finding the right questions to ask mm. in everything I'm doing in business. In because if you if, if you get to the right question, the mm -hmm. answer, in my experience, is almost immediate. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's, it's, it's are, am I asking the right questions? Mm -hmm. Like, I could be asking the question, well, what's the, how could I build my business to be successful? Or I could be asking the question, which I was for years, or I could be asking the question, like, what is the meaning of life? Like, what is truly the purpose? Like, and You're at the core. yeah, like, and but you when when you have to get to a certain place to be asking that yes. question of like, what's behind it all? You know, like, what is there? And has anybody asked this question before? And that's what Michael Singer says mm. in the beginning of one of his books. It's like you'll find that many people have asked this question for a long time, and they're the great masters of history um, who asked this question. And then anyway, so in the, in a similar way to this idea, when you shared what you just shared, you just got this immediate flash of lightning, like of like, yeah, like, so what are we creating? Like, the three of us, like, what are we creating today? You know, what are we knowing the truth, right? Like, what I would say, right, and I would want to actually ask both of you guys, but what I would say right off the bat is, like, whatever I use on a regular basis uh, to, let's say, reaffirm an addiction to a certain emotion of, let's say, stress or something, so letting the evil overtake me, because a lot of the times we're comfortable in the evil. That's why we stay where we stay, as I can, as best as I understand things. That's, we get so comfortable with that. Like, so I've gotten, I had gotten comfortable for a long time, and, and sometimes within a daily lifetime, one lifetime, one day, like, I find myself, I found myself get comfortable with still being stressed about whatever, doesn't like he it could be my business it could have been five years ago about diets or this or that like trying health but so what i'd love to create more and more from this just for myself even just speaking you know maybe this is of value for someone this ex this thought exercise but i'd love from this more elevated open state to really sit down non-emotionally with for example my own business and and say like okay like everything's all good here like the bills are going to get paid and you know, I'm going to deal, I'm eventually ca catch up on all my emails and whatever. And, you know, but like, what is it really that I'm looking to do here? You know, and just sit and really be like, so that, especially so that I don't fall back into that illusion that this is all a big deal. Like, taking a, uh, and Joe says this, like, when people get a touch of, of the divine, they bring it back with them. You know, so taking mm. this higher awareness that we're having, and, and, and that's something I'd like to do, is just to continue, for me, that would make me very happy. Like, in fact, I already feel happy just thinking mm. about it, you know, so I have the clear intention and elevated yeah. emotion of coming, bringing to my own organization, like more, let's say just greater understanding, greater perspective, greater um, clarity, and less of the illusion, you know, mm. bringing that in. So that's something that inspires me to create, and that frees it to go, to not be limited as, for example, as an organization limited by me, but opens its potential. Mm. I'd be curious for you guys, like what are, it could be anything, large or small. 
What's the question? Yeah, what, what's something that you want to create? Like it taking mm-hmm. the high, like let's say we've yeah. cultivated a higher level of awareness in this mm-hmm. conversation. Like yeah, what would you take that to? For me, it's like it is what we're doing right now. I wouldn't change a thing. It's, it is helping or creating spaces for humans to feel safe to, to start their journey, to, to start their inward journey to help them heal themselves because that's what the that's all we do at the end of the day is we create these spaces that feel safe for their survival mind and mindset to go to ease and then that energy that's stuck in the body release out of the body so that they can get some sense of that knowing that can be really numbed when we're in such a a, a fixated state of survival um, which a lot of people don't even realize they're in and um yeah so that be continue doing this with humans and I know the more that I just work on me that all just takes care of itself so it's it's really interesting we always talk about this like the more disconnected we come from ourselves the whole movement starts to slow down the more connect and things that we do for ourselves and like spend all morning like whatever it's doing to make our body feel good and connect with that intelligence everything else just seems to start going again and um, that's what we just have to keep coming back to. But in terms of actual things, like call to be conscious for me is like, because that, that I went to the core and like we both just, we went, we asked those deep questions of like, what what do we actually really want to do? And we had like different ideas of niches or things like that, but call to be conscious. We wanted to keep it so broad and so wide. So we weren't narrowing ourselves into like a, a, a box or so to speak, but. That's like the hum- human humanitarian side of things uh, for humanity. And, you know, the more that, you know, people uh, open and become more loving beings, the more that they care for the planet and everything around it. And I feel the whole ecosystem um, comes back into balance more like that. But on that, like, I really care, and I've been growing this stronger and stronger passion to not just be sustainable for Mother Earth, but to give to her and really support her and nourish her. And I know that with so much of the consumerism and material world that we live in, she just gets so fucking trashed and, like, beaten up. Like, she'll continue providing, but she's, she's like, hurting. And uh, I really want to find ways that we can support her but also support this world with the perspective it's currently at in terms of that material consumerism and almost like be in the matrix but not of it so things like hemp i think i very briefly mentioned to you i've briefly mentioned to rye but there's something i've been looking into like a plant that's got so many diverse range of uses it takes less water to uh, use it can be um harvested like any time of year it grows like a weed and it can be used for like concrete you can use it in clothing it's just got this magnitude of uh giving to mother earth like there's so many things like this this is just one example but i have this passion to give to this land that we're on um after or as well as that inner expansion allows all this to, to, to create. Amazing. It's really, really sweet. I, I love just hearing <laughs> everything you're sharing. It's it's really amazing how authentic you are, you know, like so it's really beautiful. It comes through and it, you've got me thinking about like a utopia society almost. Like but of course as you've said multiple times, we have to 
do this within us because if if I'm miserable with the whole society is a utopia, it doesn't really not going to feel like it mm. it seems it really does seem like if we can create this like heaven within ourselves the world can become like a heaven and then let's say if it is true that these everyone is having their own experience and there, there are these other realities it's like by allowing that and this is almost it's like a cliche but it's a lot of cliches have a lot of truth in them by allowing that openness to happen within us and that joy and like that heaven to exist within ourselves it does give others that permission you know where they can like be like wow yeah like i don't have to be in survival anymore like i can be the creator like i can be free in this yeah well this is you know the ocean slip so i was gonna full circle into what Rue was explaining just before like you know guiding people back to themselves and understanding that they need to somewhat look after themselves in a, in a better way or better aspect and learn to understand to um, diffuse and take away the constriction and the combustion of emotions and stress and that evilness, as you'd like to say, that's inside of us that is creating this destructive world internally. When we can diffuse that and give people the opportunity and space to decompress and let that go, that's when we come home and we come back to ourselves and we start to feel that true sense of self-love. And I'm only speaking from my own experience. When I started to love myself, this is when I started to love and look after the world a lot differently as well. I started to see it through a different lens. You know, I remember the first time that I like walked past some random person's rubbish and I picked it up and put it in the bin. And I'm like, well, where'd that, what'd I just do? I just picked up someone else's rubbish for no reason. Where's that coming from? But it was coming from the sense of, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to understand that because I'm loving myself, I'm now loving it. I'm loving an extended version of myself, which is yeah, you're caring for yourself. Yeah. yeah, I'm caring for me, and and now with that perspective, it's how I see and try to treat everybody as if I'm speaking to myself. I'm interacting with myself. You know, for example, like the uh, attendee at the supermarket or whatever. You know, it's like, how am I wanting to be received here today? How do I want to talk to myself? How do I want to show up? And we're always trying to snap people out of this state of being that is not enjoying the space, is not enjoying their job and trying to bring a little bit of joy and love into the atmosphere. And, you know, and then you see that rea- the reaction or that response in them and it's like, oh, there I am. <laughs> yeah, there I am. And there I was back in that job that I never used to enjoy either. But sometimes we, we all need that little reminder and that little spark that's that's really the goal is to just remind ourselves out there you know yeah, that we are simply ourselves uh. we're simply <laughs> just right there again and and same with the mother same with this earth when we we come back to our own we come back to see the mother as as us as well and things start to become a lot more compassionate for for each other amazing great well, there was one, I remember the one other thread that we had left open. We don't have to get into it. We could always do another one um, in the, the future. But it was about, the, the one that I remembered was um, breatharianism. Oh, yes. You had asked about breatharianism. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, like, you've obviously got such such a deep uh, understanding around this whole light idea. And I know that plays a big part into breatharianism. We actually met a guy up in... Um, Cans. Up in cans that had what he'd done four of something months just on yeah. air, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, I believe it. It's yeah, totally. and and it just it what it does for 
the brain is it allows it to melt and it allows it to believe in possibility a more limitless is that what the, the word is <laughs> the limitless way of being and when we're open to that but also like not just conceptualizing it but like testing it out ourselves like we will do some fasts or extended fasts and things like that and go oh how's the body reacting what do i what's stopping it from allowing energy to flow through it why would it get certain tired or that type of thing so um yeah i'd love for you just to to riff on breatharianism um a little bit about what it is for those that don't know and also like how light um works it's actually my energy. favorite subject um Amazing. i'm gonna go use the external great restroom oh just yeah, for a moment easy, bro. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Keep rolling. We have we we could do a break and do um <laughs> time out. Time no, out. just it's um it's been an awesome chat. I think this is going to be um, our longest podcast. So those that are still here, do part one, part two. Those that are still here listening, tuning in, reckoning what a journey it's been. I'm sure that you know you're all hearing the wisdom from this 23 year old man who's <laughs> sitting with us. He has uh, many amazing perspectives and understandings from his own experiences and good boy. You know, you can feel and hear his authenticity come through the mic. And these are the kind of people that, you know, we need to surround ourselves with. Uh, people that are speaking their truth, you know, because it inspires and reminds us to continue speaking our truth. So I'm pumped to hear, you know, what he has to say in terms of breatharianism and, and how that impacts the body. Because from my own understanding is they, they literally give themselves like 40 minutes a day in the sun. And that charges the electrical circuitry system in the body. But I'd love to understand how, mm. in terms of you know creating the photons, how that c- comes in and impacts the energetic system yeah. um, within the body and how, I guess, guess, breath comes into it as well as a component. Mm. Um, because we use breath practices throughout our day for different purposes and that's how we cultivate energy and, and relaxation. And when you're fasting, the body's in, obviously, a stress state. So I'm really intrigued to see and understand how Maybe there's a way to like bypass that or like overcome it. I eh? maybe it's like a belief system or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. For, well, for me, it's like um, yeah, understanding the mechanisms of what's happening in the body when we're fully empty. Mm. There's no food in it. The processes that are going on internally, and then beginning to understand how we can create that same um, mechanism as such from food, but with sun mm. and with light. Yeah, so it's creating energy. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of my favorite subjects. Something that um that's different, and I love it about this podcast is we talked more about uh, spirituality and energy and all this stuff, and not of the stuff that I'm normally being interviewed about on podcasts, which is like strictly light and all this science stuff. But in a way it was sort of glossed over that everything that we're sharing about spirituality to me, like none of this is like woo-woo. Like so for me at least, uh, and I have nothing against like let's say woo-woo more out there concepts as I mentioned, like I'm pretty open even to like reincarnation even though I don't fully understand it. So I'm open to this stuff. I'd like to believe it. But I also like to put things within a frame of understanding of what Western science can discover because like my thinking is if it's true, Western science should be able to measure it. We should be able to figure out a way to measure it. Uh, maybe our instrumentation isn't sensitive enough. That's been the issue for most of the last hundred years mm-hmm. um, until more recently. So where do we begin? I mean, 
I am of the belief, and I mentioned on this as I went through my story earlier, that like we are a field of energy. So the books I read indicated that we are beings of light. And we, for example, there's a book called The Body Electric, and it basically explains that when, so they studied salamanders, and they were curious about how a salamander could regenerate an entire limb when it's cut off. Like a salamander can actually regrow an entire arm or leg. And they studied and found that it's electricity that's occurring in the cells that causes this to, this regrowth to occur. And so then they're thinking, well, maybe humans could regenerate limbs and we have less of that I, I shouldn't say it's not possible but compared to salamanders like our regeneration potential is sort of limited and traded for larger size and more complexity in other ways whereas they're much smaller uh, organisms and they have a lot of this electrical potential so they studied uh, multiple organisms, this, this particular doctor, Dr. Robert Becker, and he found that we are these electromagnetic beings. So, like, we have a field, like, th that you can measure. And um, Dispenza talks about this quite a lot. Like, H How I do they measure it? Do you know? Using sensitive electrical uh, equipment, like right. devices. Yeah. Um, he, use, he explains it in detail in his book, right. The Body Electric. Oh, if cool. anybody I've in the heady, down already. Yeah, anybody <laughs> in the heady world wants to read yeah. through that. But so, basically... Dispenza talks about this as well a bit. Um, you know, he says that Einstein, Einstein said that the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. So what it kind of, what it basically means is that, like, matter, we see matter um, in this world. It's a slow energy. It's what our, it's, it's a slow energy that our uh, senses are perceiving. But we don't see the field that, organizes the matter but in fact and this is a difficult thing for some sometimes for people to wrap their head around but the of an invisible field of light and information and energy is what's keeping everything held in place so we see what we see and again this is something Dispenza shares is like a hologram in in a sense it's like a hologram um, but the hologram is projected by a, a light source which would be like the source so for example in the body electric it's like coming inside out rather than like a outside in. Well, I guess it could be both. I mean, the field is like it's inside and outside. Right. So it, it's it's all around us, as Joe says, within us and all around us. But so the uh, the way you could explain this to a materialist is that if you take the uh, cell from your eye and from your genital organs and from your nerves and from your heart and from your toes and from your hair and your brain – Every single hair, I don't know, hair cells, but anyway, it's not, but, um, but the hair follicles that make the hair, they all have the exact same set of 23 chromosomes. They all have the exact same genetic information. So the question is, well, how does this one know to become, mm. the hair know to become a hair follicle, and the eye know how to become an eye, and the nerve know to become a nerve cell, and the toe know to become the toe? And then on top of that, how do they know where to organize themselves would be another great question to ask if you're studying biology. Like, how does that happen? And standard biology has zero answers for that. Zero. None. There's no, like, and people assume that someone knows that, but they don't. Becker studied this, so, th so, so some people do. Some people have studied it. So Becker stu studied this. So basically what that means is that you're, like, looking at each of us. Like, you see, we see the, m the matter. 
So we see this three-dimensional part of us, this, this matter. But the, the energy field that we don't see is what's organizing all of that. So like if you get a cut, mm. it can be healed uh, to a certain degree with by the di- under the direction of this field and utilizing our vital life force, that what they call chi or prana or shakti or whatever. So in different cultures or life force energy in modern scientific English. And basically um, what my experience, partially intuitively, but also reading these books and studying, has led me to believe. So when I was doing all these diets to try to feel better, like when you take bad food out of your diet, you take a stressor out of the system that that otherwise your energy field is depleted having to deal with the toxins from that food. So you can improve the quality of your life and your organism and how things function. And then when you go and spend more time in sunlight and do the next phase of what I was doing and drink unfluoridated water, you add more energy to the system in the form of light. It's one of the purest forms of energy we can take in from the universe because food is just kind of like not refined, but sort of distilled sunlight. But if you can get it from the light directly, it's it's more pure. You have less matter to deal with. So, like, you can get the same mm. amount of calories, but without having to process those calories. So if you want to talk about eternal life, theoretically, if you didn't have to process so, – so when you process matter, so you take – we take in food, and we have to process that. Like, there's certain chemical reactions that happen that – require certain amounts of energy they require certain substrate or certain uh, metabolites certain minerals and certain things to be occurred just to process that matter to release that energy which is stored on the electrons of hydrogen on a carbohydrate or a fat that we then put in our mitochondria but all of it takes a lot of again minerals materials energy a lot of stuff just to get that energy out what if you could just get it straight from the source? You would actually use up less of that stuff. And and based on the research, you could argue that it is the process of metabolism that causes aging because it's it's never perfectly efficient and it requires us to unwind our overtime to unwind our because it's all using proteins. So you have to unwind your DNA because once those proteins are worn out, you have to unwind your DNA and make new proteins, and then the telomeres on the end of the DNA get shorter every time you're doing that. And so that's like that is the process of like metabolism over time. So theoretically, you could live on light. So anyway, <laughs> um, so what was, was interesting was to me? I a little bit lost there, but that's I, I appreciate it. Well, so it so sounds like it, it, it makes sense. You no, know, so <laughs> I want I, it has to make sense. So yeah. like if you if you have, I could get a really really good analogy right now. So if you could have a car mm-hmm. that could, so car has an engine, okay? Mm-hmm. So imagine if you had a car that um, that required gasoline to run it or what like imagine if you had a car that didn't so a car that requires gasoline one like we all know normal cars and then imagine if you had a car instead that still had the engine that could run on gas mm. but there was another way for it to run where it could basically just absorb um, let's sales. say it could it had sails, and it was windy all the time. Yes, sails, and it was windy all the time. Exactly. Thank you. So it go. just can absorb some sort of cosmic energy that's yep. always there that runs. Which car is the engine going to wear mm. down in faster, the mm. one that has to burn the gasoline yep. or the uh, the car that can use the wind? Yeah. You tell me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, on, the, I'm on the sail car. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the car that has to use the engine to burn the gas 
that engine's going to yeah, wear down a lot out, faster yeah. than because eventually you're going to have to replace the spark plugs mm-hmm. and fix up the gears and all this other stuff. So that's basically what I'm saying. Like you can, if you when we require food, it's like the and I'm not saying not to eat, but exactly if you if you, you when you consume food, you have to literally. I mean, if we just go through it, you consume the food. Okay, so now the body has to Break first. You have to use energy. You have mm. to chew it. You have to secrete digestive enzymes. Well, what are those? Those are all sorts of different chemicals that are produced by what? By proteins. So mm. to make a protein, you need to unwind genes, and it takes a lot of energy. And then you mm. you shorten the telomeres on your genes. So just the act of making the proteins to make the enzymes takes energy. Then the food goes through. Then you need more enzymes. And then it needs to be absorbed into the bloodstream. And it's it's broken down. And then it's either stored or now you need to make insulin to get that sugar out of your bloodstream. And you need to pack it away in your fat cells because too much sugar in the blood is 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 toxic lethal so then the insulin had to be made by pro- insulin i believe it, it's either it is a protein or it's made by a protein so you need there's more proteins so all of that is like the machinery of the body running which is aging us effectively um so this is why studies this is exactly why the number one thing for life extension is in studies 30 percent calorie restriction increases mm-hmm. lifespan by 30 percent because you just put less wow. wear and tear on the machinery of the body so think about this like all the people trying to eat these clean diets and do all this other stuff like if you just ate just less food if you just much. figured out a way to <laughs> eat less food yeah, but the thing is most people calorie restriction is like starvation it feels really terrible yeah. it's like painful so if we can live on light like sunlight's a natural appetite suppressant. If you get uh, like often, if you get mm, a lot is. of sun, like you Why can feel you're less hungry. Today. Yeah, good to go. But and we uh, uh, just a, a practical tool to implement, or especially well, what's worked for me is I used to be addicted to food. Like probably a, a lot of people are maybe listening to this, but it was ingrained into me. I needed to eat a lot to get heavier for rugby because, and it all comes down to not feeling enough. And when I started releasing or removing, again, the suppressed energy that was in my body, I just, some reason, didn't need to eat as much. I wasn't hungry. I didn't get hangry because there was no, nothing I needed to put in my mouth to suppress. There was nothing to suppress anymore. Mm-hmm. And food is a great way to slow down that vibration to stop you feeling or processing those things. So it's, it's interesting how it all ties in, but... Well, yeah, it's it. it's absolutely so like I and I could even take it a step further because mm-hmm. I was even doing this stuff for years of like sun. I still am, but sunbathing mm-hmm. and still of course needing to eat a lot of food. I'm not breatharian, just full disclosure to be clear, not at all. But um loves an ice cream. And <laughs> I I love <laughs> some ice cream here and there. But so um there's that and then I also was actually feeling like bad. Like not only was I like yeah, eating like food like normal and having challenges with it, even getting this sunlight so to your point, it's like a very good point about the energetic side. Like, so if we are an energy field, wha- the, th- the step I never took until Dr. Joe, until Joe Dispenza, and, and understanding what he's teaching, was that we can affect that energy field consciously through our awareness and thought. And like, in fact, in some respects, like that is our interaction with the energy field. Like it is our consciousness. It is our awareness in many ways and subconsciousness as well. Like so there's a lot that's not, actively conscious but we maybe touch some of the subconscious but it it is like our perception of who we are if so that just entertain that idea for a second that that energy field that i'm referring to that the scientists have discovered that's actually like who we are just theoretically like you could call it the soul or whatever you want to call it but like that that is like our greater awareness and who we are and again sometimes we're in more of our conscious part of our brain which is connected with the soul sometimes we go deeper and so then f- the, the the science of 
what I believe we can do is we can take all this a step further out of like what I had shared so far, which is that when we get into going deeper, like how how was it that I was still miserable if the stuff I learned about light was true, that I could take all this energy in and, and be like feeling supercharged? Well, it was it became clear like I had so many unresolved emotions. I mean, I'm I'm mm. sure there's still plenty for me to unpack and release. But that that emotional component I've come to think is is as important but actually more important than pretty much anything else. Mm-hmm. Cuz like if <laughs> if you think about your daily experience Speaking like w- language. Yeah, what is life composed of? Like what is your daily experience composed of? Like it's just a bunch of experiences thoughts, feelings, like emotions. Like I think day to day it's like just it's like a string of emotions a lot of the time. Not necessarily like in a bad way like someone's up and down and emotional, but we live almost like from not from moment to moment, but from like emotion to emotion. And emotion is energy and motion. So there's different ways the energy goes in motion creating that experience. It makes sense. So then life is just like can be potentially described as just a series of different emotions in in some ways. I'm just I'm just putting this out now. Like I've not really thought about this a lot until speaking with you guys. But it makes sense to me at least then that if you're stuck in like a constant emotional state, like stuck in some emotion and, and Dispenza says this, you know, you're you're basically taking all your energy from the ability to be in the present moment and you're either stuck in some past memory or some predictable future. And so you're everywhere but the present moment. You're in the unknown, or the n- you're in the known, because the known is comfortable. So it's, it's, it's the in- and we said this earlier, like it's interesting how it can be, ch- we can choose as humans to stay in comfortable known suffering rather than unknown mm. potential joy, but because it's uncomfortable. So like that that's, I believe, where a lot of the faith and the trust mm-hmm. and the surrender and about, we said earlier, about like becoming a man or just becoming a mature adult, I believe, is like surrendering to that unknown and embracing the discomfort of like, you're not going to be in control, sorry. <laughs> like, and <laughs> I, I promise I have challenges with this more than maybe anyone I know. Like I'm, yeah. I, even if it may look like it's, I'm doing well in this and that, like I, every day I struggle with it, um, you know, constantly. Yeah. And so... I, but th- to to get to the you know to really just hone in the breatharianism thing, I hope that these ideas strung together make sense um, to you guys and to the listener. But it's like th- we are this energy field, and there's tons of science behind that, like beyond a shadow of a doubt. A really good thing, and I don't I don't like to uh, go after any particular ways of doing things, but I have to say to uh, to fully express how this works, and we talked about it this morning, the carnivore diet. So the maximum, if you took the idea that we are material beings to its maximum endpoint, uh, you might end up with something like a carnivore diet. And this was my experience. So you might come to a point where, for example, if someone has a disease, you might say, well, everything I eat is causing me to feel sick, causing me to have a reaction, whether it's a blueberry or a sweet potato, whether it's oxalates or anti-nutrients or all the stuff that the, the carnivore diet, and it's one name. You could call it an extreme elimination diets, whatever you want to call it, um, not to single out one diet, but all the diets I did. Um, it's like blaming the food for a reaction your body's having, but it's like, okay, so like if, if a blueberry or a sweet potato or broccoli or potato or wheat or gluten, even gluten, causes your body to go into anaphylactic shock or have a severe immune 
reaction as if you were being attacked by E. coli or tuberculosis. Is there something wrong with gluten? It's just a protein. And by the way, it's a harmless protein. It's just a protein. It's not an infectious bacteria, which is what the body's mistaking it for. So something wrong with gluten or something off with your body or your energy field specifically. And I would say something's off with the energy field. So this, I bring up this example to fully illustrate what I'm getting at. Like everyone's focused on how can I eat the best possible diet? How can I take in, you mentioned the other day, like all the right minerals. But like what do minerals do when they go into the body? Like nothing actually. Like the body, the intelligence of the body, the field, the energy field, the soul, whatever you want to call it, the field that we're talking about is what organizes the minerals to go to the right places to be used. What if there's something wrong in that field that's preventing it from directing all those minerals where they need to go? What if it could create the minerals itself? Some people think that's possible, and I kind of am inclined to believe that that is possible because, like, we're like a mini star. Like, we mm. are like the inverse of a sun, and the sun is what the creates micro. those minerals. Yeah, exactly. Mm. We're like a reflection of the sun, actually. Like, we mm. complement the sun exactly. That's a really – we could go way down a tangent, <laughs> but it's interesting. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, um, so to me, so it's like you could eat the perfect diet, but if your field is off for whatever reason – the body can't fully utilize it. You can get all the right minerals and all the right supplementation. But again, if the field is off, you might not be able to u- utilize it. You could even, and I went through, so I'm not, not speaking, and I'm so grateful that I've had these experiences. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to speak mm-hmm. about it with any meaning, real meaning. Mm-hmm. Like, I tried this. Like, I tried, I did like three, four, five years of just sunbathing and all this stuff and blocking blue light and dialing my circadian rhythms and grounding every day and not drinking fluoridated water and all of that stuff as well. And, and my diet was pretty good. And I still... Do you think that's a good starting point for a lot of people? I do think it's important for people to do that stuff. I do, I would attribute a lot of like my, like having the high increased brain function at age 16, 17, 18, like clear function, you know, to being able to start a business. Like I would say that stuff helped me, but I was, I was still, again, like I, I was miserable. Like for a lot of time, I didn't feel the way that's I wanted to feel. And so it's like, you could do all that stuff. And I still had certain health problems that kept cropping up. Largely related to, I believe, to chronically being stressed because I was so, I mean, if I put it simply, like in Dispenza language, so addicted to the emotion of stress. And I wasn't at that time willing to trade my, the hit that I was getting, the payoff actually that I, I wanted, I craved it of stress. Like we stay addicted to these emotions, you could argue, because we get something from it. And I was choosing and this is the evil that i'm referring to like choose like it's like when you get pleasure in being mean to someone like choosing to to prefer the pleasure of that lower energy center that lower level mm-hmm. like lower chakra over the 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 higher one but that required me to like release and surrender and let go of like my like what i who i basically was who i was considering myself to be and who what i wanted to be attached to or felt comfortable staying attached to and so like all that's to say you could be doing all of that stuff but to me it's 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 so clear that the most important thing is to get the field right and that's why i believe this so yeah okay like i'm not saying don't eat healthy and, and if somebody wants to avoid oxalates and go carnivore i'm not saying don't do that necessarily although i would i would actually recommend against being carnivore personally based on what i've learned about you know the energetics of eating a lot of dead animal flesh um, as opposed to like fruits like we were talking about today, but that's a separate conversation. Yeah. We don't need to go there right now because uh, then you could also divide the audience very easily when <laughs> yeah. it gets into that. But so I like, know there's a few people triggered out there. Right yeah, now, yeah, but great. it's okay. But um, 
but so like I, I really believe that the, the, the path of the yogis so yoga means union right like the see, the yogis are those who seek like ultimate union I believe that like what they've found and people can pursue whatever they want whether they want to look into Kriya Yoga an autobiography of a yogi or they want to look into Ram Das or they want to look into Joe Dispenza like I do believe they're all in the right direction but what I would say about people who are like more modern teachers I'd say well there have been people doing this for thousands of years and like if you do have the craving to go as deep as possible now a lot of people just won't because they're just not like I and I totally respect that like somebody's listening to this and they're like I don't I don't really believe those yogi people but I'm down with a guy like Dispenza who puts science behind it or like what we're doing what we're talking about now cool then that's great start there um, but I found myself for sure like once I had this kind of knowing that was proven to me through Dr. Joe uh, I was like, God, I, I got to read the autobiography of a yogi. And I was like, I believe these stories of these masters and saints that he writes about that he encountered as a boy looking for God in India, you know, because India is the land of mm. the, it's like the holy land in many ways. There's so many masters and saints with these supernatural powers that he came across on his journey to find his guru and ultimately then coming to the U.S. So Can I mean, just like on that, yeah. for, for some that are, are curious, what were some of those uh, powers or, or things that the, these humans would do? Yeah, there's like, there, there's like, the chapters are named after them. Like there's a chapter, the sleepless saint, like who never slept and he was in constant communion with God. Mm-hmm. Um, some who never ate, uh, at least maybe, maybe not in this book, but they exist. Um, w- some who could like, for example, just assign any scent to any object and it would stay forever. Like I could make, you know, make this jar. I couldn't, but he could make the jar smell like roses and it would maybe stay forever. Could. Well, maybe I could. Yeah, <laughs> I probably, actually we all can. We just have to unlock it within ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, there were the, the saint with two bodies is the name of one of the chapters and the saint could be in two places at once. He could bilocate it's called, you know, and Jesus could walk on water and heal people. And it's, it's like not that far out. Like, and Joe it's says it's not about the amount of energy. So when, so it, at his week long events, there's coherence healings. You do actually healings, kind of like Reiki, but not but just so people can oh, relate to something. Was it when they dial in on, on a specific location, someone where that's remote coherence remote healing they call it. But they 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 actually do now that the corona thing has kind of faded away. They'll do in person because the people with these you know um, issues feel safe to come to the event. So they'll actually do like coherence healings and you'll have like someone laying on the ground and like a group of six people around beaming healing coherent energy and he says it's not about uh the amount of energy or the strength of the set he says it's about the the most coherent signal the coherence of the signal that's all that matters so you could think of like jesus as like somebody who became so coherent that two thousand years after his crucifixion where people are still like worshiping him Mm. with love for what he gave to all of us like he was the four-minute mile, like, so, you know, a footprint in consciousness that hadn't been broken yet, Mm -hmm. like, Christ broke it and showed, like, how you can love so fully Mm -hmm. that, like, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll die for it or Mm -hmm. something like that. I mean, maybe that had, there's many great masters, but even in Hinduism, they refer to Jesus as Lord Jesus a lot, like Yogananda does in his books. He refers to Jesus as Lord Jesus because they see him as, like, one of the greatest masters of all time along with Krishna and, you know, many, uh, there's many other saints, but so, um, you know, it's, it's funny how this how this conversation has turned into sort of like a, a pitch for spirituality. And, and that's another thing. I love that we could just like open people's minds and hearts. That's actually my goal to spirituality. And it's not to say which door you should go through, but it's just saying that it's not a bunch of woo-woo stuff. It's like the science of Dr. Robert O. Becker and many others like him. Um, there's a, the book Light Shaping Life, Biophotons in Biology and Medicine for those who want to read the book. There's another book. Uh, health and light about light and how it plays a role in health there's so many great books people could research about bioelectromagnetism photobiology biophotons and much more that you'll find related books 
that open one's mind that we're not these material. The, 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 the lie is that we're material beings, you know, that we're, um, that we're, you know, these, yeah, three-dimensional beings, and that's not true. Like, we're energetic beings, and there's so much more to us than, than we're told. And in Western medicine, it was solidified when uh, a long time, like 100 years ago, Rockefeller paid a guy named a- uh, Abraham Flexner to write a report basically discrediting all alternative forms of medicine, Reiki, acupuncture, and saying that those are all not what, f- what we call evidence-based medicine, which is a... a, a a euphemism for drug company funded <laughs> medicine it is exactly what it is and so they threw out all of the uh, old other alternative treatments and int- introduced this thing evidence based medicine which is using the uh, byproducts of petroleum to make drugs and Rockefeller ran a big petroleum company i'm not saying Rockefeller was like a bad dude he was just maybe he even thought he was doing a good thing for humanity but like misguided mm. um, as far as we can see now I have nothing against Rockefeller it's at all. It's like great byproduct of creating gases. We can create medicine out of it. Yeah. Sell that to people. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and maybe they thought it would work. Maybe. But like th- th- and in the body electric, Becker outlines this really nicely throughout history. Th- the last hundreds of years, as science evolved since the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, um, there was competing schools of thought about biology. The one were called the vitalists and the other were called the mechanists. And the mechanists said no life is just chemical reactions period that's it and the vitalists said no there's more to life there's an energetic spark but they didn't have the instrumentation to be able to measure that energy at the time mm. like becker did when he wrote his book they didn't have that so the mechanists actually the mechanist school of thought is what won out and is still the the foundation of all of modern western medicine today the symptom drug model the as they call it evidence-based medicine which again it, it, it's 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 a total euphemism for you can only use this, we'll only call this evidence-based if you're a drug company and you can afford to fund a $100 million drug trial. That's it. The nothing else gets into evidence-based medicine, essentially, quote-unquote. And again, you have to use evidence-based medicine really loosely because it's not really evidence-based. Mm. It's it's paid for. So I think that's a pretty great place to actually wrap up. So the vitalists and the mechanists, kind of like different different researchers, different side, but two different schools of thought. And like the vitalists, in my view, are completely right. And what they found implies, and what Becker has really confirmed in his book, his book's now decades old, but um, it, it implies that there is this vital energy to life. And if you ju- all it takes is one leap of, it is faith, but one leap of faith further to say, well, hey, it, it kind of makes sense then if the body is energy and electricity that then maybe what these yogis have been studying for 5,000 years about how to refine and cultivate your own energy, I call it our inner light, um, weren't just a bunch of kooks. And the, the, the Chinese people who have been using those specific energy flow meridians, the acupuncture meridians that they've been sci- studying also for 5,000 years, arguably longer, some, some would argue much longer, um, depending on which version of history you, you believe, uh, f- to heal pretty serious issues with acupuncture. So I And I think... That's kind of all that I would have to say. It's mm-hmm. like just I'd hope people would open their minds to that idea and entertain it and go and read the books if they want to and and just consider it. <sighs> wow, brother. Holy dooly. Um, so, uh, yes, you can become a breatharian. <laughs> yes. you, you just have to master your <laughs> energy legit. field yeah. so that you, you don't waste it on negative emotions and stress and chemicals and toxins, and I do believe it's fully possible, yeah. 100%. But you'd have to be really good, and I am not there yet. Yeah. No, I'm with you as well, and it starts with the belief. It starts with expanding the what, what our, our potentially our current beliefs might have been. But we, we well, uh, speaking for me, firstly, like I trust things 
and try and I'll, I'll try and go for the experience first, and then see see what happens, and then from there, like. I start trying to learn about it and then how do I share it with people to make more sense of it but at the end of the day like you're saying it, there's a moment where you just need to trust and you need to just let go and see what happens and it's fucking scary there's nothing more scary in, in the world and we've both had a, our own experiences and we've talked into that on previous podcasts but it's um the yeah there's something beyond beyond this amen and, uh, there yeah. is for sure so yeah, I think it's our job to just keep working on it, you know, keep doing our best. So, oh yeah. anything else you guys want to say? No, I'm, bro, I'm just, I'm just here trying to figure out what <laughs> we're going to lab- label this podcast. <laughs> Great, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll c- make it clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> something really good. Uh, I'm really excited for people to to hear you oh, and to uh, to gain a lot of your knowledge and and wealth. Thank you. That is coming from your mind and your heart. It's been Thanks, an guys. pleasure, brother. Thank you. Well, I'll add then um, if people want to find, because I think people might want to yeah. send messages. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like what? What? Where, where do What's you want your cell phone number? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so uh, well, my firstly, the, the RA, the no, RA optics. So a lot of people listening will Ra, have seen yeah. oh, Ra. Yeah. Oh, oh no, I've always got them. What does Ra stand for? The Egyptian god of something. Oh, there Ra, we go. Yeah. Um, so we wear these these glasses with the tints on them, the red and yellow, and we wear them in our lives. We get loads of people ask stuff. about them. We yeah. see them your oh, way. Great. Yeah. yeah and then do. and then he rocks up uh, with Leon one day, and it was like mm-hmm. it was random as. But yeah, so that those are incredible. Like they make me sleep way better. They heal. They help my eyes so much. I really notice when I'm on a screen, and I don't have them on compared to to when I do. So just a, a gentle plug there. For Thank you. you. Yeah, and we could. You know, if somebody wants to hear more about the science of that, they could listen to another any of the other podcasts I've done because we didn't talk yeah. about it a lot, which is There's fine. There's a really good one with Paul Check that you okay, talked yeah. into with those. I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. We ta- We would have definitely talked about it a lot with Paul. So um, so people can find Raw Optics at Raw R A No W Raw Optics dot com. Uh, and then they can find us at raw underscore optics on Instagram. And if people want to contact me, the best place is the light diet on Instagram. So the light diet. And it's kind of like what we talked about, like living, trying to live more on light um, than matter in mm-hmm. a way, be like more light. So that's the best place to contact me. Just send me a DM. Oh Say boy. hey. Oh, wait. Well, you're off to Switzerland tonight. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll let yeah carry on but we might go for we sauna or something but bro just uh, you feel like a, a brother a long lost you guys do and, um, <laughs> really appreciate your time and presence hey, and thank you out thank you so much yeah, brother. Blessed, yeah blessed. you guys are the best and thank you for having me uh, i know you've got so much from this and yeah give him give him a follow check out his stuff and uh we'll, we'll see you soon see you in the next Ooh. see ya thanks